Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 313. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, bangerang. Carter is not here, but we actually have a confirmed cut that. A confirmation is what I'm trying to say. Uh, he will be back sighting. next week. So if you've been waiting on some Patreon books or something, don't worry. He's, he's, he's here to pay his debt <laughs> next week. A ginger always repays their debt. Do they? No, I don't know. <laughs> I was making a Game of Thrones joke. I, I, I don't know if he does. but uh, um, Yeah, so he'll be back next week uh we are dc comics podcast though we get together we talk about dc books that we read this week coming up on this week's show we have dark crisis issue two we have batman issue one two five which is the start of the new run we got flashpoint beyond issue three batman killing time issue five poison ivy issue two dc versus vampires issue seven and I've got a couple of Patreon books to talk about this week. I'll be looking at American Vampire issue 27 and Animal Man issue 21. So that is what's coming up on this week's show. Um, it is another late news week. Uh, I think we're just in a holding part until solicits by this point. Yep. So, don't expect any news. Uh, do I have any personal news to share? I don't think I do. I, I mean, no, but there is. If, if people really want to take part on a fun internet thing, uh, Mitch Garrett said that if uh, his Riddler one-shot that he's doing reaches 100,000 pre-orders by uh, the 17th, which is next Sunday from when we record. Is that the final order cutoff? Yeah, it's the final order cutoff, and he's going to get this demented uh, Riddler tattoo on him. Um, so... I might order two just to help us along. <laughs> it's the idea of this being on him forever um, yeah. would be great. But yeah, it's all over his Twitter. So um, only ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety eight to go. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's pretty up there, and that's why he did it because I think it was just close enough to seem doable, but maybe just out of reach that he's safe. So let's prove him wrong. I mean, it's you a bad book, so yeah, it probably is. Yeah, that's what I mean. Pre-ordering well enough, and, but and yes. It's, it's King and, and Garrett's doing Riddler, so... Um, yeah. I like King's Riddler in uh, in Killing Time and in his Batman run during the War Jokes and Riddles, so... I'm, I'm going to read it anyways. Might as well order a physical and try to stick a dumb tattoo on Mitch. Why not? Um, th- yeah. That uh, sounds like a plan to me. Um. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty quite a week, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, did anything interesting happen this week at all? Well, I mean, politically there was some wild stuff, but I don't know about that. Yeah, uh, in your neck of the woods. I had a message Connor, A, to see how he's doing, because I've talked to him in a minute, and B, uh, have him explain that whole situation to me. I wasn't even um, talking about that. I was talking about oh. the assassination of the former Japanese Prime oh, Minister. Shit. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, weird week. Weird week from yeah. from that side of the 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 spectrum of topics. But yeah. as far as comic book stuff goes, uh, not not that exciting a week. Well, um, I, I saw Thor: Love and Thunder. Like I said, uh, not that exciting a week. Yeah, I saw uh, what, what else. <laughs> that was about it. Is uh, watch wrestling. Getting into happy endings. Trying to think what else. That got a happy ending this week? I don't know why I know that. No, but, I it's, mean, a, it's a TV show, guys. Uh... It's a man out the gutter. Although it's one of those ones where I always forget about how much I like Alicia Cuthbert until she shows up in something from, you know, 10 years ago. It's like we watched House of Wax uh, last Halloween season. Um, 
And it's very watchable, and she's very good in it. And I remember telling my wife, man, where's she been? She needs to be in more things. She's pretty good. And now we're watching Happy Endings, and I said the same exact thing. So um, she's very funny. Uh, well, so that's, that's it. We talked Stranger Things a little bit off, off book last week. Oh, yeah, because it was all spoilery, so we yeah. didn't want to do that on the show. Yeah, no, we, uh, uh, what else notable happened? I mean, we talked wrestling in a chat. So, you know, uh, uh, I don't know plus, if you've watched Rampage yet. I haven't, but I mean, I don't think most yeah. of our audience cares about what we think about AEW right now. No, but I'm just saying, this is the stuff that we normally talk about that I just... Uh, pretty uneventful. Summer, it's hot. Yeah, here. It's, 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 it's a weird quiet week. I, I really don't... <laughs> it's, it, it feels weird to come in and be like, the news this week is, is there's no news on any front mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking just for any, like, little things and Outside of like a preview for that um, that that World Without a Justice League book, DC really has nothing. I mean, Dreamers making a mainstream debut and uh, Superman Son of Kal El. No problem. Uh, I mean, there's probably going to be some uh, early previews next week, but uh, you know, not yeah. up to solicits. But uh, normally, you get at least some. I mean, the week after solicits is always dead, but it's kind of weird that it's been like two or three weeks in a row without anything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that is what it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nothing. Predators is still pretty uh, mildly just mediocre movie. Just I, I like it. C- compared to the Shane Black one, I'll take Predators. Well, sure. If you pick something terrible and try and compare it to it, anything can succeed. But compared uh, to the Gloria Predator 2, it's just uh, mediocre true. trash. True. True, but that's a high bar, right? Like that's Most people oh. wouldn't agree that that's a high bar, Matt. <laughs> But it's it's what to me that's a cable classic like that you can just put on and watch. My stepdad used to watch it all the time in the garage, so because um, it was just on TV all the time back in the nineties. But uh, no, I liked Predators. It was a fun. I haven't now granted I haven't seen it since the theater, so maybe it doesn't hold up. You know what? Twelve years later, uh, I wouldn't say it does. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that was what we did this week on the Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is why it's uh, fresh yeah. in my brain for anyone who's curious I, why I, I randomly brought it up. I am still clear on the prey. I haven't seen any prey, anything except for posters. So I'm trying to stay clear until that drops next month. The the new one. Um, so so far so good. Me and a friend made a pact to stay as spoiled as possible. Um, but yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Uh, all right. Well, not to worry. The fifth news fails is there's always time for a comicsology top ten. I always think if I can keep him talking, he'll forget. You know, it is, forgets. It is persistent. It's consistent. It's going to be there forever. <laughs> Even when there's no news, there'll be a comicsology per- top ten. Persistent and consistent. The Peter story. <laughs> so yes, Matt, would you like to guess what uh, number one is right now? Not only I'm gonna call my shot right now. Not only am I going to guess, I'm going to get it right, but it's Saga is at number one. It is not, but uh, Damn it! nice try. <laughs> no, it's DC. DC, take the top spot. Oh, Batman. It is Batman. Batman 125 is the number one comic right now on Comixology, um, which is technically now Amazon.com slash Kindle slash comic slash whatever, <laughs> yeah, but you know uh, what I mean. Uh, uh, I only said Saga because there were so many on the shelf at my comic shop. They oh, really sure. that. 
Uh, now, nah, Batman's number one. Number two is Dark Crisis. So DC event uh, mm, still hey. doing quite well. Uh, number three is Saga. And then okay. number four is Legion of X, issue three. Number five is Amazing Spider-Man, issue five. Um, mm -hmm. Once again, I'll just remind everyone that John Romita Jr. is doing art on that book. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm just happy. He's fighting PC. Tombstone on the cover, I think, if I can believe JRJR's art. Tombstone or maybe Grant Morrison, that push. I don't, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Uh, Grant's gotten really pale, if that's the case. <laughs> well, they are Scottish. I mean, it's uh, true. true. Uh, number six is Flashpoint Beyond, issue three. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, number seven is Sabretooth, issue five, which is the final issue of that miniseries. Uh, number eight is DC vs. Vampires, issue seven. Number 9 is Batman Killing Time, issue 5. And number 10 is Batman 89, issue 6, which is the final issue of that many. So uh, for those of you who are keeping track there, uh, that is a very healthy 6 out of the 10 of the top 10 there, DC Comics, yeah. which is uh, nice. But big difference from last week, actually. Yeah. Uh, looking just further down the list a little bit, number 12 was Joker's final issue, uh, issue 15. Uh, number 14 is that Black Adam, you know, one, sh one of those Black Adam one-shots that's building mm -hmm. up to the movie. And number 15 was Poison Ivy. Um, okay. And I'm looking for... Well, I was looking for uh, Monkey Prince. I actually found the Teen Justice book uh, <laughs> somewhere down in the, the, the low 20s. But uh, Monkey Prince not on the first page, which I guess isn't surprising. But No, it's kind of a shame. I uh, missed that one this week. I didn't have time, so I'll have to catch up. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, Matt ditched Monkey Prince for Poison Ivy. Now he's got now he's got a redhead to choose. That's <laughs> you know what? Essentially, with, what's with, happened with Takara art? Get out of here. Mm. Yeah. Um. So interesting. Oh, what's this bad boy here? Uh, Aliens: The Original Years Omnibus Volume One. Hmm. Is that different from the old omnibuses that uh, Dark Horse used to always put out? Not a not a clue. I think it is. It's got a lot more pages by the looks of it. It looks like it's about twice the size of those, so uh, maybe they're condensing all those old Dark Horse stories into smaller books. Mm. Um, I think I have like, the first four of the old omnibuses in Comixology from an old sale mm. a long time ago. So, gotcha. it, it caught my eye. Uh, it wasn't super high up, but it was like yeah. down near the low end of the I'm, first I'm page. still shocked you're not reading the... the Philip Kennedy Johnson alien book. It's because of the art. It's local. No, I know, but still, I figured like by now you would have given in with how good the story's been that Johnson's done. I figured you would have. I'll, pro I'll probably try and give it a try at some point, but right now it's just this. Uh, it's hard to uh, take. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also just noticing here there's a Power Rangers book called Mighty Morphin. Just, just Mighty Morphin, uh, mm -hmm. and it's on issue twenty-one. I didn't realize they had a, a longer, you know. Well, it's not, it's not huge, but it's not a mini. You know, it's an ongoing book that's and it's right. twenty issues now. I did not realize that was a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So I thought I'd mention that too. Uh, but there you go. That is the Comicsology top ten for the week. Uh, so happy days. So. I mean, we could just talk about comics. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else to talk about this week. It's it's really quite yeah. shocking. I I should I should have asked for like a, a topic or something from the from the audience. Something. Maybe yeah. they could have given us a, a talking point. Although if they said and who would you put in your Justice League, I would have just like banned them. Ignored it. Yeah. yeah. Like no, you're banned now for life. 
<laughs> I'm sick of that question. That question will never be fresh again. Um, I, I might go to answer now as Poison Ivy five times. I mean, that's not a Justice League. That's uh, my uh, Hiram fantasy. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Hiram? Hiram? How do you, no, how do you say it? No, I know. I was, play, I was playing dub. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't want to define that for the audience. Look it up. <laughs> Just Google yeah. Hiram and do <laughs> You can see what, what that meant. Um, so, yeah, let's get to the comic side. Uh, Dark Crisis, issue two. Joshua Wilmson writing with Daniel St. Pierre on the art. Uh, we left last issue with Deathstroke leading an army of supervillains after the Titan's Tower, uh, as well as teasing some other things around uh, the cosmos. This issue starts with a Kind of, kind of a bit of a refresher on Pariah for, for people. Uh, just him losing his world, he wants it back, he wants to destroy Earth-Zero because that's the only way to bring back the infinite uh, you know, multiverse. Uh, or the inter- infinite Earth, specifically, I should say. So, that's the little teaser. And it goes straight to Titan's Tower, and Nightwing is beat to shit. Some of the younger heroes are dragging him into the tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all scared. Bunch of C-less villains show up. And, uh, you know... All goes down, Deathstroke shows up, says that, you know, a lot of other heroes around the world have been targeted, and we see, you know, who some of those are, uh, and some little panels, little bullseye panels, and they bring out Beast Boy. They do actually reveal here that Beast Boy is probably not going to be dead, that because he's a shapeshifter, it doesn't really matter they shot him in the head, because technically he's a, you know... I, I do like that it shows Slade's familiarity, that he goes, you know, we've dealt with him so many times, we're not even sure if, uh, you know, where his brain is. Which is a nice, you know, also slam on, on Beast Boy. Yeah, but, but um, obviously not without making a dig that it possibly might yeah. not exist. Right, right. Because, you know, Beast so. Boy, the dum-dum. Uh, but yeah, all balls down to this showdown where Deathstroke wants a one-on-one fight with Dick and hands him his sticks, he gets up, we get a great two-page spread of just, uh, you so know, good. lots of panels of just elbows and punches and all sorts into each other's faces. Um. And Dick does actually kind of get the upper hand by the end. He knocks him down, and uh, you know he's, he's trying to win the fight. But all the other villains just start grabbing the young kids and saying, "Hey, if you don't uh, back down, we're going to kill mm-hmm. you know Roundhouse and some of these other youngsters that I, yeah. I don't know the name of." Yeah, the the Titans Academy kids. Yeah. So. Yeah, so he's actually just willing to give himself up. He's like, "Kill me and let everyone else go." He, you know, doing the full heroic thing, and that's when John swoops in and takes the bullets, and it's like, oh, okay, Superman cut moment. It, yeah, you cut it a little close. I didn't yeah. like that. Got your dad's timing, I think, was the exact uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Deathstroke has prepared for this a little bit, though, because Cyborg mm-hmm. Superman swoops in to try and take on John, so they go fighting in the rain and the lightning, and very mm-hmm. biblical, up in the sky, throwing each other around, uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Cy- uh, is it Slater Cyborg Superman that's talking to John about being an imposter? Uh, the Cyborg Superman, because yeah. uh, John says, you know, you're not my father, and he's yeah. like, well, neither are you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I know what it's like to try to live in that shadow, and it's impossible. And it's almost like he's just trying to seed these uh, doubts into John, you know, that we've seen, you know, kind of like this darkness. Um, yeah. It's uh, affecting everyone else. Basically, Pariah calls Deathstroke away. Pariah's in his head, uh, whispering yep. things to him, and calls him away because there's other things to do. 
his whole point is that he needs all the heroes alive for something because mm-hmm. he's you know as he says there's a crisis coming and he needs heroes on earth zero mm-hmm. to be alive but so he calls them away they all leave their portals um the, the superman and uh cyborg superman fight kind of wraps up by them crashing through the top of the building mm-hmm. uh cyborg shows up to help keep him down everyone kind of takes a moment in the rain to hug kind of like recuperate after the moment and then black adam shows up and criticizes john see i knew you weren't ready alien justice league and apparently the person i thought was ready which was nightwing uh mm-hmm. i was wrong about because this is a complete train wreck look at this uh and i'm like dude like did you even know there was a, something it, going on it was a sneak attack like <laughs> come on man now it just shows how much of a jerk that that black adam still is uh, yeah. Bla- Black Adam says, yeah, I need to read lead this new Justice League. It's, it's time for me to take over, because your children just can't do it. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. Um, I really like the fight between Nightwing and mm-hmm. Deathstroke. I, it felt like a big man with a man thing. It felt like it was sort of, you know, just drenched in the history of the new Teen Titans and, yep. like, sort of using all that history to make it mean something. Uh, the Black Adam setup at the end is just kind of like, okay, that's where we're going next, so I'm curious to see what they do with that. Um, but yeah, this was like two thirds of the comic. This was quite a lot of the issue. Was was all this stuff at and Titans Tower? Sam Pierre kills it in that fight with the rain. Like the the cover doesn't do that fight justice, right? Like it's really kinetic. It's just the shots that they use. You know the the way that their breakdowns go. It feels it's... like hard. But it feels like they're beating each other to a pulp. Yeah. Uh, and and that Nightwing Deathstroke fight, and then even the the fight with the you know two Supermans. Uh, yeah in the sky like i, I love just the, the rain and the lightning and uh it just it, you can almost hear it and you know mm-hmm. as you're reading it because you're you're just imagining them having this fight in the sky it's like a good version of that shitty fight at the end of uh matrix revolutions where smith and neo <laughs> are fighting in the sky in the rain but better <laughs> obviously i'll take your word i haven't seen that since the theater so well i hadn't seen it in a long time but i did it on the ace uh mm-hmm. just before the fourth one came out and oh boy, like the the memories came flooding back times. as I was watching that. Uh, so we cut to space and it, we're introduced to Kyle, uh, Kyle Rayner, mm. who's uh, on a ship. He's escaping, uh, making a bit of a, a prison break, as it were. Um, and just as he's about to get out, uh, both Kyle, sorry, both Hal, sorry, and mm-hmm. uh, Joe show up. And this is actually the first time Kyle gets to meet Joe. So yep. introduces himself. Uh, he finds out that Justice League are dead and that the, the speedsters are off trying to find Barry. And it's like, you know, this is basically them recruiting Kyle back into the core. So we get this big full-page spread of, like, the Green Lantern core. Because, you know, Joe and Hal came in to get him out of the ship, but when they come outside, you know, like, what's left of the core is all sort of hanging around yeah. outside. So you see Jessica, you see Simon, you see Guy, you see Kilowog, uh, the whole show. John shebang. noticeably absent, so I wonder what's going on in his book that... Oh, wait, he was with the Justice He's League. He's dead. <laughs> Good lord, I forgot. Oh. You're lucky you realized that, because I was about to chew yeah. you out for that. Yeah, That's right, he was the GL that was with the team. Good lord. What's happened to John? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, the whole thing, the death of the Justice yeah. League, man. Yeah, 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 I forgot he showed back up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's funny stuff. Um, but yeah, I was good to see Kyle. So this is tied to what was going on there, right? Where... All the rings stopped working, so he's probably been locked up since. Um, uh, yeah, like I mean, everyone else seems to have a ring, so clearly, yeah. you know, like I say, we, we stopped reading the Green Lantern books. I don't know if this actually mm-hmm. is explained in there, but 
Um, they they all have rings again. And Hal, if you notice, he's holding a ring in his hand for Kyle. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we're we're getting everyone back together, and we're going to go and help save uh, Earth yeah. and indeed the the multiverse, I suppose. Two two big weeks for Hal in comics. You know, he had Swamp Thing last week. Get him making this big entrance uh, in mm-hmm. Dark Crisis. So yeah. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed this issue. I mean, I think some people may argue it doesn't move things forward too much, and I think that is true, but I did enjoy all of the showdown stuff at Titans Tower, and yeah. I, I like this tease of all the Green Lantern Corps getting back together. And seeing Joe, you know, completely integrated mm-hmm. with the others is really nice. Yeah. Uh, because I, I think the, the one thing Kayla knows about her that he's heard is that, oh, you're like a great detective, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I solved a few cases. So that they're, they're incorporating yeah. like what her book was about into her, her character. That's good. Yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, you know, for not moving the story fine, that's fine because it gave us good character beats. You know, like with John and fighting Cyborg Superman and uh, Dick versus Slade, and just it, playing on all of that. You know, it, it's actually something I've become a bit more frustrated by recently, uh, just in general, because uh, mm-hmm. the, the Boys season three finished this week, and mm-hmm. um, I heard some people say that the season felt like filler to them mm-hmm. uh, because it didn't change the status quo enough, and. <sighs> I feel like most people don't respect like character arcs and like mm-hmm. characters going through things. Uh, and uh, don't get me wrong, things can absolutely feel like filler. They can, but yeah, um, I, I think people are a bit jump, a bit quick to jump to that statement uh, I, just because they don't feel the plot has moved forward enough. Yeah, it's one of those things. I feel like social media is kind of ruined because now everyone has a voice, and I feel like they see something and then they repeat it without fully understanding. And sometimes people are right. Like you said, sometimes there are stuff that feels like filler. But if you get good character stuff, I mean, what, what, def- what, how do you define filler is my question. You know, cause like, I mean, that's tough. I mean, it's, it's more a feeling than anything, but mm-hmm. uh, basically it's just the absence of any substance. And I would say that generally speaking, the, the couple of examples were, was this season of the boys and season five of the expanse. I got, I heard a lot of this that it was filler because yeah. it didn't do enough. And I thought that was one of the best seasons of the whole show. Cause the yeah. character drama was so good. And the way it was like paying off, like all the character stuff that had been building for seasons. But to some people, if it's not the greater plot moving forward, that's, that's, you know, that's, and I'm, to, to me, the character stuff is equally important, if not more so important yeah. than the greater plot. So, uh, you know, I mean, it always, you know, we haven't talked about firefly in a very long time, but like, out of gas is my favorite episode of that whole thing. And that's That's a character piece, yeah. Yeah. It's all it's how the ship came together, how the crew. And, you know, it takes time from the the quote greater narrative, but you get to know all these characters and it twists some of the things that you thought you knew about them. And don't get me wrong, I, I do think these examples of TV that I'm given are a bit different mm-hmm. to a comic book where you can feel like an issue of a, an arc is filler. Um but I just feel like with this whole idea of the dark crisis, that this darkness is almost like a, like a nihilism or it's um, entropy or it's, it's nothingness, right? That I feel like if they are fighting nothingness, making us feel for these characters is something that's going to pay off in the end, you know? Yeah, like, no, I mean, you can't do this every issue, but yeah, I think the no. point of this issue is to make you really want to root for Dick and John beyond yeah. anyone else. Uh right. So and then and then you get a good fist pump moment when Hal shows up, you know, with Joe to save Kyle, and Kyle's got a great moment, you know. And yeah. they ruined that a lot of it by having Guy in that last page, but I'll not. No, yeah. no, no, no! How dare you, sir? Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, no. I mean, I just I don't know. Again, what is filler? This gets thrown around a lot with like I know you hated it uh, based off the first episode with Obi Wan, 
people calling it filler because it didn't give them exactly what they thought that was going to happen. But if you just sit back and watch the story, it was actually a pretty good story about a man coming to terms with his faith. And that takes a lot of character stuff because he's in his head and, you know, um, I mean, I disagree with you on the, just based on the first episode, I disagree yeah. with this. I thought that was just a, yeah, a right, slog right. of a, of a meandering episode that had no spark to it whatsoever. But I mean, that's a, that's a, oh, that's right. The, uh, the Adam Sandler, I disagree, uh, meme. So, but no, but yeah, I know it gets thrown around a lot and I'm seeing it too with a lot of the Marvel shows. But it's hard to argue with some of that because some of them, it's everything in this phase is. They're not that it's, good, honestly. It like, seems, overall, it's not it, that I good. Know, we, were, we were talking about it last night, walking the dogs after Love and Thunder, and like, <laughs> for me, for me, Hawkeye has been the best thing to come out of it, and that was because it was character focused, and it wasn't. You know, we don't have to move the story after you know, ten plus years of this Infinity Saga. I think it's okay, and I mean. You can have issues with all the shows, right? Like stuff not landing, like Loki being a mess and WandaVision. And, but for the sake of things, just like sit back and try to enjoy stuff. And I don't know. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I just I hate this filler as just a derogatory. It's almost filler itself that you don't know how to say like, oh, they didn't land with me. It's filler. Um, it, I got to get caught up on the boys because if you're saying it's all character stuff, it's that's the... the stuff I was digging on that show. Some things can absolutely just be filler, right? It is, it is something that can be a valid thing to say, but mm -hmm. it is used as a shortcut. And I would argue that filler is the negative version of a positive thing that I also hate. And you're mm -hmm. guilty of this, Matt, is when you just say, oh, it's just fun, and then just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the, the two sides of the same coin, which is yeah. just like hand-waving either yeah you know on one side and you're hand-waving away good things and saying it's filler or the other side you're hand-waving away bad things and saying it's fun right um, so when, when i do that on the show it's just because i don't want to get into an argument with you that lasts 10 minutes you know? <laughs> <Good chance laughs> so, that. yeah you know so like you know if you catch me on twitter though I, we can have a conversation about why stuff works and you know um but like there's there's sometimes i come in and i thought i didn't like a book until i start talking about it and then when I talk about it and start to break it down and you think, you know, sometimes you gotta, I feel too many people are trying to get their opinions out as fast as possible. And that's how we get too much of the shorthand. Um, and yeah. Yeah. But I mean, my, 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 my critique isn't um, necessarily aimed specifically at social media. It's just, uh, it's just something that I've, I've been noticing becoming more of a thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously sometimes I'll disagree with, opinions sometimes i'll agree with them that's not that weird but there's definitely some trends i'm noticing with a certain just broad stroke like buzzwords being used to describe mm -hmm. certain things and it's it's frustrating i mean yeah. at the same time though there are like legit criticisms that can become buzzwords where you agree yeah. with the core thing and then but then it gets kind of bastardized because people just start throwing it around willy-nilly yeah. uh for example, I, I am someone who thinks most Marvel media right now has no stakes, but mm -hmm. people throw that phrase around so much that it's become basically meaningless. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. That's, it is what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. But that was funny, though, because I was noticing you were... I could I could watch you going further into a tangent in real time. Um, mm -hmm. So, I'm blaming Matt for that. No, that's fine. I just, with, with this book, because like you said, we hit the character stuff, we hit the art, you know, there, there, you know, there's not much else to go off of, but it's still, I really enjoyed it. 
like it was a good read it lived up to you know i i got it physically so i got it later and it lived up to to me waiting a couple days to read it um especially being a a dick grayson fan um and just him getting that moment right there him him you know fighting slade to a, a standstill basically um but i also feel it's because slade's also under the influence of whatever that darkness is right whatever pariah did to the to the uh, lazarus pit you know um yeah, yeah. um it's, it's you know it's, it's a sort of issue that you kind of wish it was double shipping because it mm -hmm. you know, because it does feel like it's uh like oh another month before before we advance anything again like I I do get that criticism but yeah uh there was nothing in the book that I didn't like though no that's exactly I have nothing so, else like no other real negative like I can't it was just an all around good time like again I enjoyed what I read and I don't want to say fun because I'm self conscious <laughs> uh, it it was darkly fun how about that. Because, like, the Beast Boy thing, again, I was like, I can't believe Williamson killed off Beast Boy. And then when Slade throws him down and questions if he's in Hazabrain, I was just like, oh, man. Like, that that's even worse than just a dead body. You know, it's insult to injury. Yeah. Uh, all right, we give a Dark Crisis issue, too. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of hovering the same, same place. I don't mm -hmm. think it feels quite as big as issue 1 did, but no. uh, I'm liking what it's building to, so... I probably I mean go a nudge lower and go seven point five. I mean I might be okay. just a, a touch harsher, uh, but uh, there you go. Uh, that's Dark Crisis issue two, Batman issue one two five. Chip Zarsky writing with Jorge Jimenez on the art. So this is the start of a brand new run. Uh, Chips coming in. Obviously he's been doing the night uh, the, the miniseries, but mm -hmm. this is him taking over the main book. And there's a lot of big things going down here. It kind of drops us in the middle of a story in a weird way, where mm -hmm. there's already these, uh, like, targeted killings happening of uh, the elite. Which, mm -hmm. Specifically the elite who were born into wealth. Like, uh, yeah. it's Penguin who's targeting them, but he's not targeting anyone who earned their money from scratch. It's only people who right. were born, I think he says, with, like, over five million already to their name. Yeah. But this, he calls them the Silver Spooners. Yeah. You know? Um, and... I just want to say real quick too. I read the first two trades of, of Chip's Daredevil, and I'm oh. so glad I have before this, because he has a knack for the city kind of storytelling, right? Where there's a lot of stuff in motion, and he balances it all very well. Like I feel like coming off of Tynan, and you know who who had a very distinct way of writing Batman and doing things. This already just feels like Chip's Batman. And I don't know if that's because of the night that we're kind of used to how he writes Bruce, but just the way that he drops us into to Gotham in the mid of everything. And we're already kind of familiar with some of the stuff. I it was a it's a skill that this guy has. And I'm, and I'm really, really glad he's doing Batman. Yeah. Um, I, I don't love the issue. Mm -hmm. I'm. I mean, I generally like a lot of stuff that it does, but there's definitely concerns mm -hmm. I have in here, and there's definitely some moments that felt a little off to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know... I mean, as we go through it, I'll sort of point some of them out, yeah. but um, it wasn't like a home run. Like, part of me, because no. I, I think his first issue of Daredevil's better. And yeah. I, I think I was coming into this expecting, like, the same thing for Batman, where it was just going to be instantly, oh, this feels special, and this feels like it's doing these things for the character. And it may become that, but there's definitely yeah. some things that don't quite click with me. Some stuff that it feels like we've shifted a little bit 
to serve what he wants to do with Batman. I mean, it does reference other things in recent continuity. Yeah. It does do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely does. But uh, some characterizations feel a little bit different. And I would say that the villain that's teased by the end, I'm not entirely sure I'm excited about. <laughs> that's where it went off the rails for me. I was enjoying everything to that. When when I got to that character, I was kind of like, what are we doing? Uh, and, and it could work out. Like, I could be just jumping the gun. Mm-hmm. But based off of just this one issue, uh, you know, I I did like the Penguin stuff, though, because it's it's been a while since Penguins really had a moment to, like, really be greasy and just him doing this and just him saying that he's going after the people that were born into it because they're not trying to make the city better. It's it's very griftery. It's very much like, well, no, he's the same. Like, he's, he's an hypocrite. Yeah, he was borrowing yeah, money. Yeah. And... But, you know, people are just going to jump on it and they're like, oh, well, they're killing rich people. Doesn't impact me, you know, um, and it's almost like he gets a public support on it at a certain point. And yeah. Yeah. Because so the, the, the book starts with like a, a scene that's, you know, from the past. It says another time you see Alfred in the cave and he hears mm-hmm. like some beeping in the cave. And that's just all it is. Just a little tease. And then there's a sort of like nightmare scenario scene where a lot of the Bat family are dead and there's like multiple jokers mm-hmm. uh, sitting on top of them. And like, what is this? Is this where, or is this uh, the three jokers? Yeah, what are we doing here, Zarsky? Come on. Uh, And Bruce wakes up, it was a nightmare. Um, And I got a little bit worried because the first thing that his narration says in this book is, I never dream unless I want to. I use my subconscious to piece together a mystery. And I thought, Zarsky, are you really going to try and tell me that Bruce is choosing to use his subconscious to to solve mysteries while he's asleep? Because that is too far fetched for me to. to, there's some with. other stuff that is borderline because Batman, but <laughs> unless it keeps happening, I'm going to give it... This happened under Tynan 2, where Tynan kept well, giving uh, oh, Bruce oh, all these new toys, you know? On this specific um, line, though, the very next thing he says, though, uh, the mystery is my future. And it, I thought I got relieved because, okay, he's not saying he's literally solving cases. Yeah. It's, 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 he's, he's more being fruity with his wording than he's yeah, actually saying he's doing anything. But Yeah, and that, that's where I have to be like, okay, don't jump the gun. You know, um, but even I got worried. I was yeah. like, "Oh no, that's too far!" Like, yeah, no, that's superhuman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. Um, yeah. Uh, so he calls Selena, um, and so this guy. So so there's a bit of an awkward t- bit of tension here, where he's he's phoning Selena because he's feeling well, not scared. He needs but, someone. Yeah, he needs yeah, someone. He, he, he needs f- someone. He phones Selena, uh, and there's a little bit of like a sort of gulp moment when she's with someone else, and it's kind of this awkward thing because that 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 relationship, at least as it was, is over for now. And he actually kind of accept that and move on, and it makes him feel kind of sad. Is yeah. this the is this this douchebag we didn't like I, from the Catwoman I, book? I think it is. That's the only guy I could think of. See, that's upsetting. Yeah, that it's him. Anyone else? Yeah, I I will. I want to give tremendous <laughs> credit here. Is the way that um, him and the the letterer make that work? It is almost like a a you know if we're watching a movie and they're they're cutting across the the phone conversation. Which I think in a comic is just it, usually it's easy just to make it clean, you know, with the what's being heard, what's being said, but the fact that it keeps jumping back and forth. So you're reading what Batman says, and then you're hearing it also when it jumps to Catwoman. Like it's just a unique skill that I haven't seen uh, utilized in comics. Yeah, uh, they are very good. You know, the, the way it sells the body language of her getting uncomfortable and saying she has to go, and him mm-hmm. being sad as he's like, yes, okay. Uh, as he's looking out at the dawn. 
Um, and it's the idea that he's retreating more to Batman, and that's something the mm-hmm. Bat family bring up to him. Tim brings it up later that he's, you know, he's, he's just being Batman all the time. He's not really being persuaded much. Uh, the idea that he's waking up and he's already like, oh, it's time to go to work. It's time to be Batman. Uh, so, yeah, so there's a, a killer in a building. Uh, the art here is phenomenal. You know, ba- Batman comes into the, the building and there's just that thing where he's down the end of the hallway and then you see mm-hmm. the close-up in the darkness of his eyes. It's This actually reminded me a lot of the, the recent movie when he walks out of the darkness. Yeah. It's very much that kind of moment. Me too. Uh, but it looks great in the, in the comic. Uh, and he, you know, Runs down, throws the guy out the window, but he obviously grapples him so that he doesn't fall. Uh, but then he goes down the stairs and finds out that the family who live here have already been killed. And mm-hmm. he then runs back up, pulls the guy in, grabs him and screams at him and says, who sent you? You know, to, yeah. you know who's behind this? Uh, and then, then we get Penguin's like sort of speech, his monologue yeah. as he's recording yeah. into a, a camera uh, mm-hmm. why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, so... Yeah, and then that's when Tim comes in. So obviously, Zarsky's probably a, a Tim fan because he's yeah. choosing Tim. To, well, I say that, but the end of the issue, he's kind of uh, maybe on death's door. So maybe, maybe not. We, we sure? Yeah, we sure? <laughs> which, which also because of what happens and knowing that there's going to be a Tim book that I'm not going to read because uh, the art, I was kind of like, oh, maybe this this will be easy just to say goodbye to Tim right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Bruce has still been invited to a, a gala thing and he's like okay that's probably where Penguin's going to strike because well there's going to be a lot of rich people there it makes sense it's easy it's simple um, you know some interesting bits here you know he talks about how the, the hardest thing about protecting the city is that the city actually wants to die like they're, they're all even though they're directly targeted under threat they're all going to go to this gala anyway it's kind of this uh, like people are kind of stupid <laughs> yeah they have to they have to keep up appearances and it's you know um, I, and I did like the commentary on that too. Is you it's know all, people are just it's all, pan, keep... it's all a bit pandemic commentary. A little bit, I would say it's a, it's a lot of it. You know, um, so they know that there's dangers, and yet they're still going to go because they feel that they have to. And like the people that were complaining, they can't go to restaurants during a global pandemic. And I was like, just all right, give it, give it time. All right. Yeah. Um, so. One of the victims of the previous death was actually someone that Bruce knew. It was like someone he used as Bruce Wayne to like sort of play up the Playboy part of mm-hmm. his persona back when he first came back to Gotham, and it, it's kind of like this symbolic thing that that part of him is mostly went away. Uh, so he's making an effort to go to this gala. He's got a date. He's still invited despite the fact that he has no money. Because I was actually thinking about that. Is like, oh, does that mean he's like Penguin's going to mm-hmm. come after Bruce? And I was like, oh no, wait, no, he lost all his money. No, so he lost like, his money. I guess it doesn't matter. But I do like the idea that Bruce Wayne, the person, is still like. Because we know from Detective Comics that everyone knows that he doesn't have as much money as he used to, you know? So him still showing up to this is, like, one of those things that, you know, you have to keep up appearances. But it's also good cover for Batman. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Uh, Bruce and Tim working together at this gala to try and find whatever the plan is. It's probably to set off gas. Penguin showing up with his little breather on as he's threatening all the rich people. Like, all this I generally liked. Um, I'm not, like, a huge fan of the like Batman in the the dress shirt and like you know, I the, love it. The, the bat cowl on, uh, the, the, yeah, it's, whatever. It's so stupid and I love it. Yeah, like Not it, for it's me. just a great visual. But yeah, um, I, it was nice seeing Batman and Robin working together in a in a Batman book. Oh, for sure. Right, because I can't like we saw them team up in Robin during Shadow War, but it was Damien. But I can't think of the last time I saw Tim and or um Tim and Bruce. I almost said Tim and Dick, but Tim and Bruce team up. 
And it was very nice. And just the stuff that Bruce is saying about Tim, you know, like he's the Robin that wanted to be Robin. Um, and again, like you said, it seems like Sadarsky is a Tim fan, which is cool. Yeah. Cool Tim fan, but a Tim fan all the same. Yeah. Uh, but so there's a bit of a swerve here where Batman's convinced, okay, Cobblepot, I've got you. But then it's revealed, oh, no, wait, you're not Cobblepot and it's Clayface, right? Um, which is fine on its own. But I did think it was a bit weird that in this issue, Batman gets duped twice. Uh, so here and then later when he goes to Penguin at the, the hospital and it's all a trap to like set Batman up. I, I thought it was a little bit weird to have Batman essentially get in over his head. And maybe that's the point, is that he's in over yeah. his head and he's making mistakes, but uh, it was a bit weird to do it like back-to-back like that really yeah. quickly. It felt a bit repetitive, but, um, you know, he... you know, And obviously, the, the slight personal thing here is that I really like Clayface's redemption in Detective Comics, so I don't really like that he's just like a straight villain again, but, I mean... Yeah, I don't like that he's being used as a henchman for, for Penguin. Yeah. Like, he's better than that. Like, you know... But regardless, uh, he threatens Clayface with some sort of like chemical that's in his stream. He's got a detonator for it. Uh, he, so he, Bruce was bluffing, right? I mean, you assume he was bluffing. Because if not, that's again, that's a very because of Batman. That I, I injected you with a formulation that turned you explosive. And I could detonate it now. And I was like, if he's bluffing, this works because he's tricking Basil. You know, who, as we know, the longer he stays in his clay form the more he loses his, you know, human intelligence, you know? Um, but yeah, if he really did this, I'm just like, oh man, I don't know. That so, took me out a bit. Tim gets shot by one of the henchmen as an explosion mm-hmm. goes off. And I did like the visual because Batman says to Clayface, you'll protect everyone from falling debris. Uh, so he's like, sure. And he sort of becomes like a big moth, <laughs> looks sort of shape mm-hmm. and just sort of like chills them all. Uh, yeah. But what this really becomes about, though, is Tim has been shot in the neck. Bruce has to, like, grab him, run out to the Batmobile, uh, is is racing to the hospital uh, because he needs, you know, emergency treatment. They don't have time to go to Leslie. They don't have time to go to the cave or anything like that. He has to go straight to the hospital. So he takes off his, his cowl, takes off some mm-hmm. of the Robin suits so it's not obvious who he is. Um, and yeah, that's quite a nice swerve here, actually, because you hear the doctor saying... Uh, you know, how's he looking? Oh, he probably won't survive the night. And you think he's talking about Tim because we're in a hospital yeah. right after we've just went to the hospital with, with Bruce mm-hmm. and Tim. And then you see Batman in the corner and he looks, you know, he's scowling. And then you realize that we're actually in the hospital room of the Penguin, uh, which mm-hmm. was a little bit confusing because obviously that's where Penguin was for a lot of uh, killing time. So it was, giving yeah. me, it was giving me like a weird, oh, I need to keep it track was... of which story I'm on here now. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I was like, wait, when did this... When did this... Wait, no, this didn't happen. This wasn't him getting beat to shit by the Riddler. No. That was killing time. So. Yeah, so no, it turns out he's uh he's just sick and he's dying. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh, and he kind of like sort of says that he assumes Batman's a billionaire or at least has a billionaire who's like funding him because yep. it'll, it's the only way to explain like a lot of what he is. Uh, I will say some of the art here is really good. Like, see when Penguin gets angry and like you know sits up and yells in the hospital bed. Yeah, like that is a demented face that he's got going. <laughs> he's he's also you know Burton esque in Jimenez drawing him where he's. Almost more of a creature than a person. Yeah, um, especially in that scene. Yeah, I don't mind that general look. I, I mean, I actually want him to be part beast, though. Like, I, you yeah. know, like he's still just an arms dealer to me, but. Uh... No, yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean is that we've gotten a lot of him. Like, you know, there's a little bit of exaggerated features, but here, you know, on Death's door, he's very beastly, you know, very bird like, and almost, you know, his teeth are, are, are sharp and, 
you know, his beak is up there, but yeah, it was a very grotesque image. Yep. Um, so yeah, it talks about how, uh, you know, the, the guy that Bruce knew, he talks about how he was actually this awful guy at the Iceberg Lounge who would mm-hmm. pick on the girls who worked there. He was a complete piece of shit. Uh, he says Batman's out of touch. Um, but then ultimately, uh, Penguin kills himself uh, with a pill. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the nurse comes in and the whole thing is meant to look like Batman killed him. This is like Penguin's last hurrah. So Penguin dies seemingly in this issue. I mean, how long that sticks. I mean, place yeah. your best, but... Uh, there, there is a dark crisis currently ongoing where we could rewrite things Yeah, very, very conveniently, actually. Quite quickly. Yeah. But Penguin dies and has effectively made it look like Batman killed him. And, you know, it's, it's weighing at Bruce, although Bruce is trying to play it off. It's, you know, it's actually kind of helping in a weird way. Everyone's scared of me again mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, they think I, I might kill them. <laughs> that was another thing that I was like, okay, Chip, this is the stuff that I like that he's bringing to it is, is that... Um, you know, the, the bad guys are giving me space because they don't want to die, um, which I like. Because in other times that we've seen Bruce do that, it's almost like he's beating himself up because he doesn't want people to think he's a murderer. Yeah. Um, um, but here, him leaning into it was a nice touch. Yeah, as so he goes back to the Batcave and that beeping starts again. And it's this is mm-hmm. present day now because it says no. Um, I will say it was a bit weird to me that it said that there and not when it first went to the present day because it made me question was the yeah. rest of the story in present day since it said now yeah. here but I mean I think it was it was just it's just making it clear yeah. a little bit in the cave is now mm-hmm. uh, and it's actually this robot called failsafe that kind of like activates um, kind of hate it honestly uh, in terms of its design um, so I I can see see what they're doing here right so the whole idea of course is that and Penguin didn't necessarily plan for this because he wouldn't know about failsafe but the idea being is the Batman himself and a sort of Tower of Babel kind of thing has got mm-hmm. a contingency plan if he goes too far. And it's this robot called Failsafe. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's him that did this. I mean, if it wasn't, we'll find out. But I'm assuming yeah. it's him. And because in the news and stuff, it's like everything's saying Batman's killed someone, this robot is activated. It's going to come to yep. stop Batman. The, the algorithm's been tripped. Yeah. And obviously, we know he's not actually killed anyone, so it's unjust. But at the same time, everything Tim was saying about how he's let the Bruce Wayne persona go and he's just being yeah. Batman all the time, the idea that he does need an intervention right now is true, but not necessarily what this robot is going to do. So yeah. I can kind of see what it's doing uh, with its story, and I appreciate the threads. Uh, I just I saw the robot and thought, this looks stupid. It, it looks... It's so New 52 looking at me. <laughs> it, it does, but... <laughs> I also like the idea of Chip Zdarsky writing Batman vs. Terminator. You know? I mean, if that's what it ends up being, then sure, like, and, I'll take it. And yeah, and that's what I'm talking about, like, the potential that's going on here. I could be wrong, and it could just, it could disappoint, but so far, Chip's, I've been in good hands, because he, if he it, did the teardrop story with Red Hood, right? In, um, I think, I think that was him, Legends. yeah. Yeah, I think that was him. Yeah, so, so far, I'm like, all of the stuff I've read that he's written, it's been pretty good. Yeah, and that, so, this uh, isn't badly written per se. There was just enough little things yeah. that I sort of pointed out throughout that, that were kind of, you know, I was like, okay, this isn't yeah. perfect. And, the you know, the robot at the end was kind of the biggest thing that I didn't like. Yeah. But if you're right, if this plays like Terminator hunting Batman, and that's mm-hmm. how it actually is told, uh, I could be very into that. This could very yeah. quickly win me over. But uh, right now, this reveal, it didn't get me excited when this robot popped up at the end. I just kind of went, ha yeah. <laughs> lol. Yeah. Well, the the whole Terminator thing popped up to me as we started talking. So again, with with the, you know, the more we talk about things, the more you know my brain gets going, and I just you know. I, I think uh, my reaction to the end was ah uh, comics. Well, I went ah oh, failsafe. Come on, 
as another because Batman thing. But again, if we get like this was meant to stop him if he goes too far uh, and it's like a Terminator that's not going to be stopped, you know, it's got to, you know, go guns blazing per se to, to bring that man in. I, I do like that idea. Yeah, of course, I'm assuming that Penguin didn't know about this and it's an accidental thing that's happening as a result mm-hmm. of what he's done. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's I mean, I don't know if he would know, but maybe someone knew about it, and it was like a kind of a someone you know said, "Hey, like frame him for murder." Because now, <laughs> uh, obviously, we've had Batman being framed for murder, or Bruce Wayne being framed yeah. for murder before. Yeah. So uh, yeah. this is obviously a, a current continuity thing as opposed to an old time thing, but mm-hmm. that's okay. That's what it is. Yeah, you had the whole uh, Bruce Wayne fugitive story arc that was Rucka and uh, Brubaker. Yeah, I believe. Uh, and they are, so, they are, of course, is very good. We pointed out some exceptional panels um, as we were going yeah. through. Yeah, Jimenez is just good. Batman, you know, I, I liked his Justice League stuff with Snyder, but his Batman with Tynan and now Chip is just, it's really good. You know, yep. I, have, I don't have a lot of faults in the art. Like you said, the, the robot design, Felsafe's designs a little bit, like you said, New 52 ish, but maybe that's the point. You know, it just looks so generic. Uh, yeah. It's got like a head, kind of like the... Uh, it's got like a red hood looking head, to be honest. Yeah. And then the rest of it's just this really generic design. It, that you've, <laughs> you've seen this in like a million comic books by this point, yeah. this type of robot. The head reminded me of IG-88 from, from Star Wars, the bounty hunter robot. Just kind of up and around, you know, and it's different. And maybe a little humanoid head would have been okay, but I don't know. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. You mentioned Star Wars in the past. Yeah, night. it's okay. I, I knew you would. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason That's why your... the Terminator design is so iconic though is because it's just a metal skeleton and that looks cool right. Uh, right. this like angled anime approach that yeah. a lot of comic book robots cool. seem to take eh. yeah and I feel that's the influence on the artist because I feel like we get this with him in as a lot mm. there is almost an anime tinge to his style um, for better or for worse most of the time it works like a lot of his expressions on Harley end up coming across very manga-esque um mm. But it works. Like he makes it work. Are you really? Uh, sounds like you can complain. It's not. But but yeah. Yeah, there's a backup as well. Uh, it's called Two Birds One Throne. Uh, and this is Zarsky as well writing this, so mm-hmm. uh, it is kind of possibly relevant as time goes on. Uh, Belen Ortega is on the art for the backup, and this first part is basically uh, the Iceberg Lounge. So the Penguins died, and the Iceberg Lounge is kind of like. Uh, what was his name here? Finbar Sullivan. Uh, who was also in the Catwoman story when we first started reading. Because ah, um, okay. I I'd only read one page of this and I forgot to go back before we recorded the lot, show. A lot of synergy. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah. it basically shows up with some guys with guns and says, I'm running this place now. You work for me now. Catwoman shows up, kind of takes him down, says, nope, you're not doing that. And then there's like gang leaders show up and the whole thing's a bit of a weird. And then eventually the underbroker shows up with a big robot dude called the Executor who's a lawyer. He's a lawyer robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Penguin <laughs> had a will, and until that will is complete, like, no one can take over the Iceberg Lounge, uh, you know, ginger beard guy just kind of says, fine, I'll wait until the will's read, but then I'm going to come and take it by force anyway. I'll just wait until after that. Um, because the executor says, yeah, once we've fulfilled these obligations, we don't care what happens, but we have to, you know, do the will and do all this. Um, it's, it's all about it's okay like i wasn't super in love with it the big thing though is that catwoman goes home at the end and she's she's just you know minding her business and the executor shows up at her door and wants her help because there's places he can't go because he's a big hulking metal robot and 
because of that, you know, he needs her. And she's like, you know, you know, I'm not a bounty hunter. I don't want to help you. But then he's like, I'll pay you 500 grand. And she's like, all right, okay. <laughs> the, what am I doing here? Who am I finding? And it turns out that there are 10 people that he needs her to find. And all 10 of them are penguin children. Oh, snap. He's that's, at all nest. That's the ending. Uh, so that's what the backup's going to be. It's going to be Catwoman hunting down uh, penguins. Presumably illegitimate kids, uh, I would assume. So, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing. They're sort of, like, doing something in the backup that plays off, like, the ramifications of Penguin dying. It makes sense. It's a nice little bit of Gotham yeah. taste, taster after the main story. Yeah. How much did I have time to read this? I got, I got hold up at work. Well, it's Went not, to go back. It then... won't be hard to catch up. It's not a long... Yeah, no, it, it, it's sitting there. That's why I read the, the one page and I saw Finn Bar-Sullivan and I got called up to go do something. Um, and I was like, oh, that's the guy from when we read that issue of the TV I am Howard. shocked you remember that. It's a ginger dude. Of course I'm going to remember. <laughs> shocked you remember it. But, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Like, uh, you know, I, I like the issue overall. I like the main story more than the backup, certainly. Um, but there's some, like, it wasn't like... I was kind of committed to expecting, like, the start of a special run that was, you know, it was going to feel like just a, a great running start immediately. And instead, I'm like, okay, no, this was a lot of solid stuff in here. There's potential, mm -hmm. but it it needs to still simmer. It still needs to, I need more issues. I need to see where it's building to. I need to see what it's doing. That's how I felt about the first issue of the night. And it's really coming that's, to an, on its that's own. That's true. That's true. And that, that literally just had its best issue with issue six yeah. or seven, whatever the last one was. Yeah. Was its best issue so far. Mm -hmm. So. If it, if it does something similar to that where it just keeps getting better, then by yeah. all means, I will. You'll not hear yeah. me complain. But I mean, I I was gonna drop Batman for the first time in a very long time until they announced Chip, and I was like, all right, well here, I'm gonna keep you're, going. You're gonna, gonna threaten that at the end of every run, and then they bro, I the do it, writer. and then they keep putting people I like. I was gonna do it with Williamson, right? I was only gonna go up to 100 with Tynan, and then Tynan's like, oh, I extended it, and then I with the. With with Williamson, all right. I stayed on, and now with Chip, and so, yeah, man. I don't have a break. It kills me that because of the of the the writer who won't be named, I have a break in Superman, but I have every Batman issue since I think two thousand and five. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you know, kills me. But when you look at those creative teams, man, like. Just starting in 2011, you have yeah that Snyder run that just kept going, you know, um, and then you had King and you, and sure it went up and down at points, but yeah. Long story short, I have way too many Batman books. You've heard it here first. Matt is a more dedicated Batman fan than he is a Superman fan. Batman reader, not fan. There's a difference. As a potato, potato. Uh, <laughs> so. Yes, and uh, what are you giving Batman one two five? Um, I'm gonna give this a. I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna do the same as Dark Crisis. I'm going seven point five. Yeah. I just, I, I think there's just a, a few little things and little narration moments are, uh, the robot ending, which just felt a bit silly on its own. That mm -hmm. uh, right now I'm going seven point five. Uh, I, I'm hopeful though. I am hopeful. I just I was kind yeah. of expecting it to just be like you know like like the first issue of Taylor's Nightwing where I'm just like yes, like right. get 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 it in me right now. Um, you know much like Zarsky's Daredevil, which the very first issue was like one of the best first issues I've read in the last decade. So yeah, but I mean that's a, that's a high standard. I mean that's a you know 
That's hard oh, yeah. to do. But it's a high standard that he set for himself, which is why it's, yeah. I think, a bit fairer yeah. than, you know. Man, I still can't believe this was the artist from Sex Criminals that's doing all this stuff. You know? Like, mm. he's just out here telling these gritty stories and, you know, in between wiener jokes in another book. Which, don't, don't get me wrong, that first arc is very emotional of Sex Criminals. And I do recommend, if you haven't read it, to read it. But, yeah, man. That's just crazy to me. I mean, we have been guilty of the occasional dick joke ourselves on this True. podcast, so I can't really... Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, when it's the double-double entendre, when it's a dick joke and a Dick Grayson comic, yeah, man, that's that's right there. That's the gold star. All right. Flashpoint Beyond Issue 3, Jeff Johns with Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan writing with Zermanico and Mikhail Yannin on the art. I have no idea what's going on in this book. I, I just, I mean, I do, but I don't. It's. I'll, it's, I'll say this: this is the first issue of this book where the first page didn't scare me away almost because it was too many narration boxes. <laughs> yeah. So, I class this book as a yeah okay. Like I'm just reading the stuff and going yeah okay, maybe eh, whatever. Um, I don't like that Superman talks like Cass. Very short to the point. Like, good, good on the writers. Oh, no, writers. that makes sense, though, in this, this Superman. Yeah, I know, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's weird, I guess. But that's this whole book. He's been locked so, in a room with no humans to talk to for most of his life. It makes complete sense that he's got a stilted conversation style. Yeah, but not exactly Cass. Like, it just felt very much like they just took Cass's style of speaking and put it onto to Superman, you know? I don't know. What else do you, like how else do you do it and make it distinct from Cass? I don't know. I, I'm realizing as I'm talking, I, I have no counter to it. I just, as a Superman fan, it rubbed me a little bit wrong. Mm. So, okay, okay. Uh, well, um, yeah, so it starts off kind of with the, the history of the Superman of the Flashpoint uh, mm-hmm. universe, and it's when, when he landed, he came down with a meteor shower, but it was in Metropolis, so it killed thousands of people. Uh, so it was a much darker thing uh, by comparison. Um, so that sets up some stuff for later in the issue. Uh, penguins teaching Dexter Dent to how to pick a lock, uh, seemingly. And then mm-hmm. when they get a quick glimpse of Reverse Flash, just try to communicate with people, uh, Penguin says, I need a drink. Do you want one? <laughs> just yeah. to continue this running joke of like Dexter Dent being taught and given things for adults that he shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, but The lock picking and him telling him Good job. We're gonna move to tumblers, which is like the, the twisty locks. Mm. I that was so funny to me. I don't know why, but it's just this cobblepot is very funny. Yeah, that was giving me a chuckle as well. Uh, so I've got obviously Superman showed up uh, right at the end of the last issue. So he's with the uh, Doctor Batman, and he scares off the thug, and Batman tries to punch him. Obviously, it doesn't work. He just gets a broken hand basically, uh, and, <laughs> and a concussion. Yeah. Superman knocks him out and flies him off elsewhere. Um, whilst uh, Dexter's mum, uh, Gilda Dent, is all bandaged up because she's rammed her head into the door or something in the asylum. So many times. And they have to strap her down so she doesn't keep doing it to the other side of her face, which, you know, giving us a cool Gilda Dent two-face story. Um, yeah. But- yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to take off the bandage at some point and she's going to have a two-face. Yeah, it yeah, um, makes sense. The fact that some darkness is talking to her, right, uh, is the the one tie 
that we have into the Dark Crisis, you know, ongoings here, right? Uh, no, yeah. I wouldn't agree with that because the, the font no? and the word bullet style is very different to the darkness hmm. in that, that book. Because this is white with an orange glow, whereas that's always been that's, black with white text. So I, that's true. That's I don't true. think it's meant to be connecting them together. I think this. So is just... so then she is hearing voices from somewhere. Yeah, right? what, like... whether or not it's in her head, or mm-hmm. this is just something separate that's talking uh, to her in this universe. Um, I would say and that hyper time is key because that that gets brought up like two or three times through yeah through these different dialogues. So Superman took Batman away to what his fortress currently is. He built a fortress with Swamp Thing, who's not Alec Holland. <laughs> no. It's, he is. uh, what would you call him? Jason Woodrow. Woodrow, yeah. Um, Woodrow, Swamp Thing, Poison Ivy's there, and they've built like a, a fortress where all the crystals are covered in green. So mm-hmm. you get this kind of a greenery Fortress of Solitude style thing, but it's become this haven. He's, he's basically brought a lot of children and stuff who don't have anyone here as sort of a, a big kind of fancy orphanage. Yeah, like uh, the ruins of Metropolis have become overgrown, and now, you know, I did like that visual. You know, he's made it a, a, a place of safety. It's an interesting concept. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's at this point where interest is this big thing where it's like, hey, like, they're, they're here to show Batman, they brought Batman here to show him uh, basically one of the messages from Jor-El, right? So the idea that there was these crystals, yeah. and because everything's going through the green here, it's, it, it sort of appears through, like, veins and stuff, but it's the same idea. It's like a hologram-style thing of Jor-El, saying, you're my son, I've sent you here, you're stronger, blah, 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 blah. But the big thing it reveals is different, is that Krypton is dying, it's not actually dead yet, and Jor-El's like, you were sent to sort of prep the humans and sort of, you know, incapacitate them a bit, so that when we come in to invade and take over, so it's our planet now, uh, we're all ready. The, but- this, that, that's very similar to another comic book property that I don't want to spoil, in case people haven't seen it, or read it, Hmm. Um, but some, something very similar, if you know what I'm talking about, which cracked me up. That was another thing that I went, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think, you know, like, one, one of the things that I liked about, uh, one of the plot pieces I liked about Flashpoint originally was the idea that this Superman, despite his upbringing, despite everything they did to him, he did still show up to help save the day at the end. Yeah. So they kind of try to continue that here a little bit with him immediately going, yeah, we need to stop them. Like, we need to be ready yeah. for this invasion. He's going to fight inside the Earth, and he's going which... to take on Jor-El. Which we did notice, I'm glad it paid off in this issue, because I did notice other ships that when you see the baby Kal-El ship in the beginning, mm. like, you see other ships getting off of the planet, too. Yeah, Jarl so says like, they hmm. went to other planets to find yeah. potential homes, so... But yeah. Earth is probably the one they like, because they'll get superpowers if they come here. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, Thomas is one nothing to do with all this, though, because to him it's like, because, you know, he says, Wait, why are you doing this? This is your father who wants to give you everything you ever like should have had, and why are you trying to stop him? And he says, because all these people, like humans, their mm-hmm. lives matter. And this is challenging directly Thomas, because Thomas's whole thing in this story is that this world's not supposed to exist, so to him, none of the lives matter, because everything right. should be about resetting it to the proper timeline so that Bruce is Batman again, and you know we have the world that you know we're supposed to have. So... Mm-hmm. I do kind of appreciate. I thought that was a nice narrative touch that it's like mm-hmm. this is directly paralleling like what he's how he sees the world right now. Um, that he's saying no lives the lives here don't matter, and it's not this cruel thing necessarily. Like he has context for why he believes that, mm-hmm. but it is kind of interesting to have this version of Superman kind of saying no, it, they do still matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it doesn't like this universe shouldn't exist. Isn't mean that it doesn't matter. 
right? And that's what I feel like Doctor Batman has to learn. So I'll give it credit. I thought that little that little narrative point mm-hmm. there, uh, where he says that, I thought was quite good and did yeah. sort of raise some interesting questions. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, so a dead body was found. They mentioned it's the home of Iris and and mm-hmm. her husband. They don't say Barry. They just say her husband. So I wonder yeah. if there's like a, a swerve coming there, but. Well, because they weren't together, were they? No, they weren't. Yeah, because obviously yeah. Barry. Yeah, that's, that's good. Good point. Yeah, Barry was. He got... Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, once we had, the... I have... there's something I want to point out, and I might just be thinking too much about all of this. But let's get to the end of this, and then I'll sure. bring that up. So we find out who they're looking at. This crime scene. It's saying it's it's uh, Billy can. Uh, I assume I don't actually know who the the female cop yeah. is. Uh, but uh, it turns out it's actually a thawing reverse flash. The the. the it says they say tick. You know, it's written in blood. Tick mm-hmm. next to his dead body on the bed, and he's obviously he came here because he was looking for Barry. It makes sense that he'd come to Iris's house to do that. Right. And it's you know it's like okay, so this is back to the hypertime stuff. So the last couple of pages, as it has been uh, throughout the book, is going back to like separately from the Flashpoint universe. Although this time instead of going to the Batcave okay. where Batman is with uh, the, the little yeah. kid. Uh, here we have a couple of the other characters who are in a time bubble going through hyper time and saying that it won't hold very soon there's a crisis coming and all these changes uh, and they specifically say that Thomas shouldn't exist and that's what they're trying mm-hmm. to fix but they're struggling and they need Rip uh, Rip Hunter so uh, yeah and something about Corky who I think is the kid with the, the, the raccoon hat uh, I imagine so yeah. yeah something about he's you know going off the rails a little bit and that's why they need rip you know because he quirky plays around too much and i thought that was a you know not being familiar with these characters at all that was a nice touch too that maybe him going talking to batman is one of these things you know that he goes too far but yeah yeah i did um you know, it says next Dexter dead, Robin the boy terror. That is kind of funny, given that the, is. The, they've built him up enough that he's learning all these awful skills. That it's actually quite funny to think that we're going to get this evil little Robin. Yeah, uh, but uh, the the boy terror. That's yeah, so funny. Good stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I do... is it, this is still going off in wacky directions? I didn't see coming. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're basically like. Because the, the whole the, the, the art's called the Clockwork Killer, if I remember mm-hmm. right, uh, and maybe it's, you know it's implying that that's also the same killer of of Thawne, and that ties into mm-hmm. the other murders that were in the other issues. But it feels like oh, now we're talking about like Kryptonians invading and like building an army to like take them on and things. I was like, oh, where's this going? Like we're we're doing all yeah. these wild things. Uh, I can't deny though that I like some of the details in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I said, it's, it's, yeah, okay, just go go along with what, the story that's being told, and, you know, uh, I love when Ivy shows up, and she's an emissary for for the Earth, right? Like, I, I do like that version of her, because she talks about how, how Thomas killed her, you know, but now she's an avatar for the Green, you know, um, and it seems like Woodrow is, like, the Parliament now, as the Swamp Thing, right? Like, the Green kind of flows through him, but she works with it. So I, I like that too, and I like that that's you know, her her helping Superman rebuild Metropolis as this fortress of solitude. I like that whole aspect of it. That was a fun, fun twist. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe we're going to find out that this hyper time killer or whatever it is uh, is just a clockwork killer, and all all these murders are are related. But yeah, um, yeah, it's uh. 
it's doing some interesting things. I won't necessarily say it's good. It still feels like yeah. a weird thing that I don't know if it needs to exist, but yeah, like I, I'm kind of into the insanity of it at this point. Yeah, that's where I am too. It's, it's so Flashpoint exists because Barry went back to save his mom, right? From mm-hmm. thought, and so I understand how it creates ripples in the time stream. So you're telling me that because Barry went back and saved the mom, Jarrell became a conqueror. Those seem like two separate things, and I know I am thinking about this way too much. Yeah, it doesn't make. It, yeah, it doesn't really make sense that, um, like, if that's the butterfly effect moment, yeah. like, why does that? Especially since when you think about their ages, like, Barry's mom's death had to be not that much. If anything, it was maybe after Clark was launched from Krypton. Uh, right, be- so, right, because he was a little kid, right? Which maybe suggests that it's that oh, this this idea is actually false, and like we're going to find out that mm-hmm. no, the Flashpoint universe is just a separate universe that always existed, and Barry just right. went to it when he changed things. That and that could be too. That that would be a nice change, but just just trying to think about the original inciting incident, like it makes sense where Thomas becomes Batman because he saw his son die. I mean, that makes sense with a ripple. That would be would have been created. That that's up there with Superboy Prime punching reality, and creating changes. You know, an infinite crisis. But some of these other ones, the 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 Superman one, really really stuck, uh, because it's so far away, and you know his his ship not landing in, in Smallville, I buy as one of those ripples. But the the Jor-El being a conqueror and sending other, that's too much of a different universe type vibe, you know. Uh, mm. But again. I'm just thinking about it probably way too much because uh, it didn't get it didn't get in the way of me enjoying the rest of the story for as crazy as it's getting. So now nah, we might be honest something here. They might reveal that Flashpoint universe isn't exactly what we thought it was. But if right. it isn't what we thought it was, then it kind of begs the question: Then why did it turn into the New Fifty Two at the end when right things you know like I don't know uh, well, very because of Pandora that never ever resolved. Yes, know? Pandora and her stupid yeah. box. Yeah. All right, what are you given Flashpoint Beyond Issue 3? I'm giving this a 7. Yeah, honestly, I'm so am I. Yeah. <laughs> there was enough weird, wacky stuff in it that I'm getting. Dexter Dent's like my new favorite running gag in comics. Yeah, right. so, uh, uh, I can't wait for him to make his main continuity debut somehow. You know? <laughs> I mean, that'd be hard to sort of work. You'd have to find out he had a secret son this whole time. Yeah. Uh, how, how do we know that Dent didn't have a kid that when he got shipped off to boarding school? You know? Sure, whatever, yeah. Uh, Dexter Dent, why not? Alright. Batman Killing Time, issue 5, Tom King writing, David Marquez writing. Um, so, I actually really like this issue. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that, because I'm going to start off with a slight critique, which is that I do think, while I understand why it takes five pages, uh, talking about like this like just gunfighting massacre that happens in the park mm-hmm. i did think it went a little bit too long to the point yeah, where it when it got to like the fourth or fifth page and it, again because each page starts with on march 7th at 5 30 something a.m so each each page moves a minute ahead in time yeah when it got to like the fourth or fifth one i'm like like all right i get it lots of people die i yeah i started reading this before bed one night and i got to about five pages and i go it felt like I should have been deeper into the comic and I looked to see how much I had left. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to bed. I'm too tired. Because <laughs> I had still had like 80% of the book to go. 
but it had just felt like because of the my brain working on trying to put the minutes all together, you know, and and spatially put the scene together, which is really cool. I like the the storytelling device of it, but you're right, it that those first five pages drug. Uh. Yeah, they just yeah, it just goes a bit too long. I don't like some of the moments. I, I like the mm-hmm. bit of speculation at the end that there's someone who they thinks a Joker goon who kills like thirty people, and yeah. but then it notes down that it could have actually just been the real Joker and he was just there for fun and then left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I kind of like that. <laughs> that yeah. might have just been the real Joker, but he's not he, going to get involved. He sees a melee at a park. Although, how did he? So did he just hop on one of the buses the Penguin was sending? Yeah, remember but- this place is like. What is like four hundred miles, three hundred miles from? Yeah, he's hanging. He's hanging nothing. around in the iceberg lounge when they're all setting this up, uh, and just decides to go for for, for a laugh. Because I think that because the one that might be the real Joker is the one that's on the bus when the guy's like yeah. cracking his joke, and he's like, "You may want to work on." I was like, I think yeah. they're intentionally saying, "Yeah, it's probably the real Joker who's just yeah. having a having a nice night out yeah. uh, or a nice morning, a nice I should night. say." Uh, yeah. But um, I re- I really like this show because like. As much as I think it goes on a bit too long, that the first five pages really does set up this idea yeah. of just this gigantic fight with like two sides, the the authorities and all these henchmen just massacring each other. Mm-hmm. And then you come to like the the page with Riddler and Catwoman, and they've got the family tied up, and they're they're telling the women to come, you know, the agent to come with the money, and they'll have their thing. And like I th- you know, he says something where it's like. Oh yeah, we'll we'll meet at the uh the, the gazebo in the middle of the park, and it'll just be me, the Catwoman, and you, no one else. And it's almost kind of funny because we just saw like yeah dozens and dozens and dozens of well, people be killed uh at this time. The one tomorrow. that got me is how the buses show up and how Marquez draws that with each panel, another bus pulls up. Yeah, and then so yeah. the, the three of them, and I'm just like, man, Marquez is killing it with the art. Yeah, it's like it's like two hundred people all in yeah. that come in this these buses, mm-hmm. and then you've got all the agents on the other side. Yep. Uh, the agents are getting no money to pay this this ransom, so yep. they, you know, she's like, "Oh, we need to go in and just take it from them and and threaten them." Um, Batman's got an informant who unfortunately does get killed uh, by one of the gang guys because yep. he's got his phone out. Uh, but this sends Batman and the help on their way there. Um, the agents are on their way there. So what I, what I want to say this does is that it does a great job of setting up this massacre at the start. And then the rest of the issue is all about everything building up to it. So the it lead really, up to it, yeah. yeah. Very... So good sense of momentum. Like once once you get past that first chunk, like the momentum and the way it's building up to it, uh, it, it feels epic. It feels like a big showdown's, you know, about to happen, and you kind of can't wait to see it all play out. Uh, you know, so it's, it's really good. It's almost like reverse Reservoir Dogs, where we keep hearing about this thing that had happened, and we never see it. Here we lead with it, and then we see what led to it. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, that page with the buses is actually really good. The the yeah. the, the coloring, especially just that that morning sort of nighttime yep. glow that it's got yep. going. Color and then just the pacing, you know how he manages to do it with you know still images is really really cool. Yeah, and it's it's when the agent's talking to Riddler and Catwoman in the gazebo where she you know she's got the voice in her ear saying, eh, mm-hmm. "I think the Batman and another dude <laughs> just pulled up and they're running yeah. in your direction." Also, there's like three buses. Uh, you know, so it becomes this kind of race to try and make the exchange mm-hmm. or or whatever. Uh, Redler didn't want to bring the actual item. Turns out Catwoman did though, uh, and doesn't really care about it as much. Uh, and they just casually start referring to it as the Eye in this issue, and the flashbacks mm-hmm. kind of set up as well. It's the Eye of God. Um, 
I think because they were hiding it so much in the early issues, I was expecting yeah. something we'd recognize that was, you know, yeah. that was like related no, to Batman I, or Gotham or DC in some way. No, I just love the idea that it's this mythical item that only has value for what they're putting on it, right? Because we see in other times it was the Eye of Athena, not the Eye of, uh, you know, as, as it was being told, if I remember right, it was the Eye of Jesus. You know, it was this holy relic. Mm. Um, and, and so, and it causes chaos in every iteration. Well, there's definitely uh, chaos going on uh, yeah. here. Yeah. Like... Right. And But just the idea that this thing is just almost like it just, it doesn't create human nature. It reveals human nature is, is what I like. Cause when you start tying in the ancient Greek aspects and, and everything else, um, you know, that's what it seems to be playing at. And it's just this little wooden eye. It, to me, it looks wooden or stone or whatever. And it's just kind of rolling across this battlefield. Yeah. There's all this fights going on. And it's right here where the, so we've had this narrator since the start of issue one yep. talking about, uh, like, you know, 5.57, this happens. Across town at 6.22, this happens. Uh-huh. And I'm actually annoyed that none of us actually guessed who this was. <laughs> Me neither. Because Well, it felt like an omniscient narrator. Like, just like if there was no narrator did, ever revealed. Yeah. Like, it was it, just it, like... It know. didn't feel like it was wanting us to guess that, who, like, yeah. it was important who was speaking. It just felt like, a, yeah, like, a, like you say, like a, a narrator who wasn't important. But right. then here, towards the end, as the eyeball rolls out the case and it rolls down the grass um, into the feet, we hear someone say, uh, you know, are we to not lifted to the heavens by the king of clocks? And then the last page is the full page spread. It's the clock king holding this eyeball. It's been him all along. And all of a sudden, you're like, this is why the whole book's been like all these specific time. times. And yep. t- talking about the precise moments, everything's happening around town and all the rest of it. It's all him building up yeah. to getting his eyeball that he wants. That might be my second favorite tom king batman reveal after the kite man kites in war of mm. jokes and riddle because when, when they all go out the windows and they pull up and they say hell yeah that's so good this one with the you know basically the all hell the king of clocks and it's him standing there with his stupid clock glasses i was like son of a bitch like uh, he got me yeah so. he's in the middle of the battlefield everyone's killing each other around him and he's just standing there you know looking at his eyeball he's you know he's delighted with himself mm-hmm. uh you know that this was this, i think this uh story even though he's not been revealed till this penultimate issue at the end it, you know i mean depending on how they stick the landing with the last issue it does kind of feel like it's elevating clocking a little bit this makes him feel like yeah. he's uh really smart and oh, he's played again. he's played all these various big villains of gotham uh-huh. against each other and are you know so you know, i mean when you think good. about how a clock works it's all these independent gears that work together for a greater goal. And that's what all of these characters have been doing, right? And if you talk about the eye saying it causes chaos, mm-hmm. uh, Clock King's the opposite of that. He's all about order. Right? It's all about time. It's all about right? things being accurate and, or, you know, so. Right. And so, uh, it's an interesting way juxtaposition. Done it. Yeah. Well, it's also like in the Dark Knight where, where the Joker talks about how much, you know, he doesn't plan things, yet you look at what he does and everything's an intricate plan. You know, and that's just the smoke screen to everything. So, uh, it reminded me of that through this too. So, yeah, uh, uh, ours good throughout. Obviously, we mentioned mm-hmm. the bus panel uh, page because yes. we relate that one. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, all the stuff with the, the the murders at the start as they're killing each other mm-hmm. is very good. Like it, you know, as much as it maybe goes yeah. a couple of pages too long, it is very now, good. Now, the main the main agent is the one agent F word as as she was called. 
because she has all the bleeps. Um, she's the one that gets kicked to death, right? Like two hundred and something times. Is that es Espinosa? Uh, that's her name. I, I, honestly, yeah. I kind of missed that. If that, okay. I remember someone getting kicked to death. Yeah, there's a there's a part where it says, you know, Agent Espinosa. I think it was gets you know kicked two hundred and something times. Let's see if we can pull it up. No, that's not her. That's uh, okay. Agent Lynn Barton. Yeah, it's a different okay. character. There we go. So I was like, I kind of like this one agent. I hope she makes the, you know, the jump. No, I, see more of her. Yeah, I think she'll be in the final issue. I don't think she's dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, even even if she jumps from this to, to modern, you know, Batman continuity, I always like these these agents that take no, nothing from superheroes. You know, like she doesn't seem to care. She's a little bit too cocky, and that's her downfall here. But the fact that she's not afraid to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Riddler and Catwoman, I really like that. Yeah. Um... You know, and the, you know, the thing about that opening section as well is that I do like that it's giving you this little bit of history and who all these hench people are and like what, what their mm -hmm. life is like. Are they leaving loved ones behind as they die? Uh, it just does it for too many pages. But you know, if you if you put it down to like two or three pages, I, I would probably quite like it. Uh, at the very least, I do mm -hmm. think it does enhance the rest of the the issue in the sense that oh, it does feel like this big huge epic fight that's going to happen and it's all building to it. So. You know, there's kind of a, a monkey's paw thing. I I, th I still think you'd have gotten that effect if it was just three pages as opposed to five. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That, that, that about does it. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll see how things wrap up next issue and if the narration changes because Clock King's now revealed himself. I'd mm -hmm. be curious to see if they, they, they play with that mechanically as a writing device. But uh, or 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 if it switches, you know, to like twenty minutes from now where it plays into the future you know um, uh it's already done that is it not has it yeah i seem to remember back in the first issue where okay. it, would, it was kind of bouncing back and forward all the time so yeah. it was constantly doing you okay. know 10 minutes from now or things like that okay uh well maybe i don't know but let's let's see where it goes or if it's all just in the present tense and it reads like a normal comic that'd be kind of disappointing I could see it working into it differently than it has done up until now because yeah. it's now he's revealed and now it's kind of mm -hmm. all out in the open. So uh, it was a cool reveal though. I wasn't expecting such a cool reveal at the end of the yeah. issue. So God, he looks downright sinister too on that yeah. battlefield, picking up the eye. Yeah, I, I think the trick of it was is that the narration never made me think it was a, a character. Mm -hmm. I never felt that. So right. it, it wasn't until that second last page where he started referring to himself as something. I went, wait a minute, yeah. who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh -huh. the final page hits and it's like, oh, that was a good reveal. Very nice. Uh, what are you giving Kellen time? I'm going to give an 8. I'm also going to give it an 8. I, I would I would maybe even go a little higher if it wasn't just for that first part mm -hmm. being a little too stretched out. But other than that, uh, mm -hmm. I really like this issue. So, uh, Kellen times were pretty good, by and large, yeah. I have to say. Uh, so we'll see the final issue next month and see how it wraps up. All right. Poison Ivy issue two, G. Willow Wilson writing, Marcio Takara on the art. Matt, this is one you read, so take it away. Yeah, funnily enough, we were talking about stories that don't progress the plot very much and meet some character, and that's what this issue is. So uh, G. Willow Wilson, Marcio Takara, uh, and uh, it's Pam stops at this diner because if you know if you remember, I don't know how much you remember because you kind of got up and left me to to talk about Ivy, but she has this plan where she's uh, going to dose the majority of the United States with this um, this fungus that, you know, kills them and turns them into to spread to kind of give the green a fighting chance against humans. Uh, but she stops at this diner, and it's in, like, uh, Montana, and it's kind of like this place for wayward souls. 
and there's this chef that seems like he's, you know, maybe of Middle Eastern descent, just kind of out of place, and he's cooking these different foods. Um, and uh, Pam's sitting there just taking in everything, and you can tell she's, like, uncomfortable, and you find out that she has already sent these spores out, and she's trying to control them to get an even distribution across the diner, and then this dark-haired lady sits across from her. And we find out that she's a poet and that she's making her way across the United States. And it starts to make Pam realize like, oh, well, maybe there are some humans that are worth saving. And then that makes her think of Harley. Because um, the book opens up with this page of her and Harley, you know, laying together in a spoon position and and Pam talking about how much you mean to me. But, you know, we don't know if she's meaning Harley or a plant or whatever. It's just this kind of, uh, dialogue. Uh, and then the police bust in the diner and, you know, Pam's not having a good time because she's trying to control all these, these, uh, these spores. And this Jenny girl turns out that she's not just a poet because poetry doesn't pay as she was telling Pam. Uh, she, she ran a wire fraud scam, uh, at a library and she's on the run. And, you know, this again makes her think of, of Harley and like, is she doing the right thing? you know, of, of keeping this plan in and it's not too late for her to stop. But, uh, we get a flashback of her with the gardener in Gotham and the gardener tells her, you know, you're too far gone. You'll never be queen Ivy again. That was a one-time deal. And she gets mad that basically they made her become this human version of herself again. And, um, that she realizes that, She'll never be in touch with that green again. And what she felt in the green shows that her mission, you know, that that the funny thing is with humans is like as much as that she can love them, that they are also the problem that's killing the green. And so what, what side does she side on? So it plays up with more of that. We also get her talking about, you know, when people ask her if she's a vegetarian and she goes into this whole, you know, diatribe of, do you know, do you know how much death? is is you know uh, involved in farming vegetarian and vegan you know she brings up agave so when when you get a not agave nectar the stuff that they do to the plants to create that causes you know this the species of bat which i thought was funny that it ended up being bats um it, they don't flower because they don't need the flower and they make the agave nectar um and then it so it kills off the bats and with that it creates a monoculture that are you know, susceptible to blight. And this is all because of mankind's doing. So she goes, yeah, no. So you can say that, you know, I'm a bit of a carnivore. And it kind of just plays into the idea of carnivorous plants setting traps. And it's kind of what she's doing. But so she goes to get into the van and the people that she had first turned into these fungus, she looks like, you know, maybe, maybe it was moving. So maybe they're not fully dead. Maybe this is the fungus also interacting with her. Uh, and, and yeah, so she gets back into her van and goes off and she starts talking about Harley again. And she curses the time that, you know, she carried her cross country basically in a vase to, to, you know, unite her with the queen Ivy. Uh, and that's where we left off that she's going on. But yeah, it was a lot of getting into, to Pam's head. And if, you know, if she is a hero, if she is a villain, she's still kind of on the villain side, but she also seems to have hope for certain humans. You know, there are people that she does like the cut of the jib and that could, you know, that aren't the problem and that could, 
you know, not not necessarily help her in her mission, but maybe maybe sidetrack her mission of releasing this fungus across the country. Uh, she also has a moment where she thinks that, you know, Batman's following her and she almost has like a panic episode. And she's like, well, he's not going to be all the way out here in Montana. So maybe that's foreshadowing for later. The Takara art is fantastic. The way that he draws Pam here. Uh, she's in like the work suit and she tells Jenny that she's in landscaping versus how he draws her as um, as just the regular poison ivy and the, the glimpses of queen ivy. It almost feels like they're different characters and each one's distinct. So I like that a whole lot because, again, it gives us it gives us another piece of her um, of her personality at play. And then just some of the deaths that she gets, like she she kills one of the guys in the diners with this with a spore. And it just, you know, tears his body apart from the inside. And it's super, super gruesome, but also not really bloody. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm really enjoying this book. Uh, and people, if you're not reading it, get, get caught up because I feel like this might be the definitive Ivy story when it's all said and done, which. When I think about, there's not too many. So, but yeah, um, 8.5. All right. Was that the last part directed at me? No, not you, but other people that aren't reading it because it's only 15 on the comiXology list. So, <laughs> yeah, y'all should be y'all should be reading this. Yeah. Um, Ivy's got, got a hardcore fan base and they will buy mm -hmm. everything that ever comes out with Ivy on it. But uh, was that directed at me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so far it's been this through two issues. If this sticks to landing, it's been this in cycle of life and death, or or two, two of the strongest like to get to the Pam Isley of it, not so much the Poison Ivy, which is good because she needs that kind of character because I feel like people write her as the eco terrorist way too easily, and so like I like how Wilson got into her being a vegetarian and what that means and what that means for the greater scheme of the world, um, but yeah. All right. Um, we shall move on. DC versus Vampires, issue seven. James Tay in the fourth and Matthew Rosenberg writing with Otto Schmidt on the art. Uh, so this, uh, yeah, we had that dodgy one shot, which I wasn't super into. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is mostly back on form, I would say. Uh, we start with a bit of a recap of just sort of explaining mm -hmm. that the world is now, you know, plunged into darkness and. Dick's in charge in Gotham, no one can get in or out of Gotham, or with one notable exception that gets brought up at the end. Um, and the issue starts with... Uh, actually, before we even go into where the plot goes, uh, while they're recapping things, they just casually mention Superboy get ripped in half. So, yeah. Connor Kent got ripped in half by Wonder Woman and Shazam. So just... Uh, yeah. I thought I'd mention yep, that. Yep. Yeah, no, it's sad. And, and Superman's been turned, and I don't like that at all. Of course you don't. Um, Why would you like that? No. no. Uh, <clears throat> so basically the big stars director bones is with a bunch of c-listers who are transporting someone important in a car adam strange is not a c-lister how dare you okay b and c-listers okay there you go there, <laughs> that's that's better i'm not i'm not putting wild dog in b-list territory though no all right just make that clear shouldn't. well let's be real these guys are red shirts like oh yeah we know they, they all they die are. they all are you know negative yeah. man's there and i love negative man but you know yeah. Uh, Peacemaker's there, uh, but Vampire Plastic Man shows up and uh, starts creepy. Yeah, starts biting them as a big long yeah. snake. Not, not not since the plastic uh, Nazis in in the um, Uncle Sam book and the Freedom Fighters ah, has yeah. Plastic Man been creepy. So yeah, good good luck. Uh, Schmidt really killed it with that one. 
Yeah, Raven's doing a pretty good job holding them off, but then gets bit by Plastic Man, so she's down. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, this was kind of a nice callback, actually, mm-hmm. is that the person who comes in and kind of knocks them all down, at least briefly, is uh, Jaina from the, the Wonder Twins, uh, who, of course, this book started, the first victim, or yep. one of the first victims was her brother. Uh, yep. So the idea that she's become kind of this badass wanderer in this vampire wasteland is uh, kind of interesting. And she drives what's left of Bones, which is just the, the, the head and, like, a bit of spine. Uh, yeah. And he's dying. You know, he dies by the time they get there, but basically they're on their way to some secret city, some secret haven yeah. where people are safe from vampires. Calling it Nightlight, which I really like. Yeah, it's, she, the, it's the the hope in the darkness. Yeah, she doesn't believe it really exists, but she gets there, and it's just this filthy swamp full of trash, and Killer Croc comes out and is like, what's the password? And she's like, Password? I don't know a password. Bones just died in the seat. But then the Atom comes out, uh, Ryan Choi, and mm-hmm. he's like, Jaina, oh yeah, like, is she there? Is she safe? And she's like, what? And turns out Supergirl was in the back of the car the whole time hiding. Um, and at first she's pissed because, like, why didn't Supergirl help fight? And mm-hmm. Croc, it's actually Croc who's like, uh, idiot, there's no sun. <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, without the sun, Supergirl is just girl. Yeah. Vampire yeah. Superman's doing alright because he's got vampire powers. But right. although he's still flying, I noticed in some of the panels. So I, I don't know how the yes. the logic of that's working. But me neither. Regardless, fair enough. Supergirl's weak right now because uh, no no powers. Uh, and they go into the swamp and you're like, wait, what's happening here? And then it turns out that Ryan Choi is using his powers, his atom powers, and technology to shrink people down, and they're all hiding in the bottled Cindy, Cindy, the bottled city Cindy. of Kandor. Mm-hmm. Which is, this is the sort of thing Deceased did a lot of, which was like using yeah. parts of DC mythology to uh, mm-hmm. just, you know. Inform the story. Yeah, just, just an yeah. invent of ways using like ideas. Uh, Green Arrow's down there, Babs is in there. Uh, they're all quite sad about, you know, the state of the world, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the back chunk of the issue is effectively them disagreeing and what they should do next. And the, the multiple plans that are kind of going to play here is that Babs wants to go to Gotham and kill Dick Grayson. Uh, to to end this, uh, mm-hmm. Supergirl wants someone to take her to Australia because they can in Australia they can launch out of space and they've got Black Manta mm-hmm. there, so sailing the high seas isn't going to be too difficult for him. Right. Uh, but the idea being is if they can get her into space, she can recharge from the sun and then she can like remove the 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 blocking like dust cloud or whatever they've got in the mm-hmm. sky to block out the sun, and that would you know give them a fighting chance against the vampires. Yep. Not just because she'd have her powers again, but also because they're vampires and the sun's kind of their enemy enemy yep. yeah so okay very neat um and then on top of that oliver wants to go to smallville because that's where a bunch of people are being kidnapped and kept in cages which obviously yeah very noble but as they point out like we can save some people from cages or we can take down the entire vampire empire like one seems more important than the yeah. other it's it's very oliver trying to control what he can control right yeah uh, it rang very true to me that he would want to go save all those people because it's smaller so right. we're setting up three things that are going to concurrently happen and the cliffhanger we end on is that Babs wants to go into Gotham and kill Dick Grayson. Everyone's like, look, no one's been in or out of Gotham in months. And then Constantine says, nah, that's not entirely true. There's one person who got out, although she's with some really bad people right now. And that, that ties into the the one shot, which is uh-huh. Harley Quinn is the one person who's managed to get out of Gotham. But right now, there's a team of villains, including Professor Pig, the Thinker, and Hugo Strange, who have got her, like, tied up and, like, they've got, like, tubes of different chemicals getting yep. in, into her and she's got, like, a 
a mousecape thing on yeah. like and she's like threatening to kill them all because they're you know well it's not very pleasant naturally no. um so presumably they're going to come and try to get harley to find out mm-hmm. how she snuck out of the city so they can sneak in yeah um two things i like too uh bab saying that they have to kill dick i did like that like she's it's got she wants to it. be, yeah yeah she's the one that wants to do it too so um two um jana it looked like she took the form of water right that's her brother's thing so when she appears it's it's almost like as an ice form or, or a water form which i thought was interesting because i had to double check that you know zan took the form of water and she took the form of animals so i did the power of the wonder twin just jump to her when he died or or what i don't know uh that's um, possible where, where is this yeah. when she was bar in in the when she shows up right behind um i think uh firestorm, firestorm. yeah when she first shows up it's like she materializes i'm on that page i must see what you're talking about yeah i don't have it in front of me you're just standing behind him holding a sword is that what it is i could have sworn maybe it's when he explodes uh Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, it's after he explodes. That's how she survives yeah. the explosion, because she turns into, yeah, just some water and then reforms. Yeah. You're right, yeah. Okay, so there there it was. But yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting, and that the fact that when Constantine is like, Bones died? Anything, you know, he should have survived anything short of an of a atomic blast. And they're just like, yeah, about, about that. Yeah, that's exactly um, what it was. It was an atomic yeah, blast. Uh, it was an atomic blast, and I, so, I, liked, I liked that, you know, because I was trying to figure out how Bones was still talking through that, and I was like, oh, of course, yeah. magic. Presumably so. all the villains that have got Harley are trying to do something with their blood because she injected yeah. the, the Lex Luthor blood into her. Yeah, because they're very much, I don't think that they're vampires. They're, they're not giving up vampire vibes. No, no. Um, so, uh, so but I do wonder what the other characters are going to think of that once they find yeah. out she's got this, you know, magic blood in her system mm-hmm. uh, and see what they make of it. Because uh, is there a chance they can actually revert back the vampires into humans? We'll figure it out. I'm not sure. Because that would, that would, you know, it'd be very traumatic for them to suddenly care again about everything yeah. they've done whilst they were vampires. Right. right. Uh, it'd be a very dark ended if they went that route. It's a but, very Angelus thing, right? Yeah. It, it does feel like um, they the set up like three big plots here that we're probably going to be doing for the next few issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it's got a direction, uh, which is quite nice. Well, plus, plus that mini series that we're getting. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless that, unless one of these plots is that miniseries, I don't yeah. remember the description of that, but I don't either. It could be. Yeah, um, no, that could be the one. That's why the Harley story was. Uh, although setting that up here would be a little bit weird. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah I no, know. I feel like an after Dick will be in the main book because he's the yeah. main vampire. I, I, sure. I feel like that's definitely the the case. Um, but and mm-hmm. Oliver's been a main character in the book, so it feel weird to separate his off his story off into a mini. Hmm. I know. I, I, honestly, the more I think about, it, the more I think all three of these stories will be in the main book, and then the mini yeah. will be something else. But <laughs> yeah, mini um, could just be you know anthology style, where we're just hitting different stories of different characters. Mm. Yeah, obviously, Alex Smith's art's very good. Uh, yeah. The fight with all the 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 scene, Beelis at the start, uh, ending with the firestorm explosion, is is really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously enjoyed the candor reveal and. You know, like, I think this was an inventive way to keep it going. It's kind of a reset for the book because obviously issue six was this Mm -hmm. big climax that revealed who the villain was and uh, set up kind of where it's going to be going from here. 
Uh, this mm -hmm. was very much, okay, this is the start of Act 2, if you want to call it that, which, you know, the second half. Yeah. So, um, I thought they did a good job of establishing all that stuff. Um, and kind of like, okay, here's the characters that we've still got on the good guy's side, and what they're trying to do. Um, I think Babs is going to die, but take out Dick with her. Yeah. That, I feel like there's going to be a tragic double the, death there, which is... The ultimate attacker. Or, or she gets bit and does the you have to kill me type mm. thing before I turn, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I hope not. I, I, man, kind of my favorite character is dying in this. <laughs> well, that's a good thing about being in Elseworlds is that it doesn't matter. It's True. Okay. It doesn't, it's doesn't okay. make the feelings hurt any less. You know? Yeah, Connor Ken got ripped in half. Yeah. Oh. Spine dangling out and innards all just dripping onto the floor. Yeah. Oh, maybe? Aye, okay. <laughs> um, all right. Are we giving DC versus Vampires issue 7? Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Uh, no, I'm going to 8 in this one. Uh, I, I had a good time. Uh, it felt concise, it felt focused, it set up a lot of things for the, the, the upcoming issues. And I'm I'm glad characters like Babs and Supergirl and and Dana uh, are getting to take a bit of the spotlight in this one, so mm. that's, that's that's cool. Um, all right. Well, one of the things you can do over at Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV at one of the higher tiers is make myself a corner read a book. Uh, so this is my two for for June. I'm a little late on these, but <laughs> these are my two June books. Uh, so this is going to be American Vampire issue 27. I'm starting with so. Keeping the subject on vampires, uh, mm -hmm. as as we were just talking about. So this is the second half of a two part story. This is the 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 black vampire. Well, I don't know if I knew he was a vampire in the first issue. That may have been revealed in this issue, but uh, <laughs> he's he's working for the vassals and he's there. And we think these young guys are racist, but it's actually the old guys that are racist. And what this issue actually does is that when he, he describes these vampires, because he gets away at the start because the young guy who we thought was a racist in the first issue, like, drives up in a car and, like, sort of saves him. Um, he describes him when he calls Hobbes, because Hobbes is doing, like, surgery. Like, he's doing, like, exploratory surgery on, like, some sort of vampire species in front of a gallery of, like, vassals, med students. <laughs> but he takes this call, and he's talking to him, and he describes these vampires as being almost werewolf-like, because they've got fur. And... Then they casually mentioned there was another vampire species that he encountered not too long ago that were dumb and didn't have fangs, and he referred to them as zombies. So it sets up the idea that in this universe, werewolves and zombies are just offshoot species of vampire of some kind. I, as it, I oh, remember, that's a that's a megaton as far as mythology goes. That's yeah, quite interesting. I remember I remember reading that the first time and thinking like that's that's a brilliant piece for this because also in the the survival of the fittest mini there's statues of like werewolves and stuff in that castle. Mm. And so when you tie it back to that, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So there's Carpathian and like, there's different breeds of vampire, but then even there's different subbreeds. And plus, that. you know, right from the start of the book, one of the rules for the American vampire was mm -hmm. the moon affected them. Right. Not exactly the same way as a werewolf, but the idea that the moon right. even affects them is kind of a subtle tease that, yeah, the werewolves are kind of an offshoot of vampires in some way. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And they are all versions of undead. They all get bit to be yeah. turned. You know, there's definitely parallels yeah. you can draw between them. Uh, you get a little bit of backstory with uh, with uh, Cal, who's the who's the main character in the story. Uh, how he came home to find his wife, like having lots of little vampire bites all over her body, and she's like butt ass naked in the garden. And it's kind of this dark 
like mm-hmm. tragic backstory for him and how he get into this. Uh, he wakes up in like a coffin and says, "Why the hell am I in a coffin?" As like, I thought, oh, we thought you'd heal better in there. And he's like, nah, that's just a movie thing. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's some little jokes here or there as well. Uh, but we find out that, that uh, basically because these werewolf vampires, these old guys who are kind of in a pack, they only, they mostly just kill uh, black people. And because of that, all of the bodies come to this, uh, uh, what do you call it? This uh, mortician, like, you know, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it's a separate mortician because of the time period, right? So mm-hmm. they all go to this one cemetery, and because of that, um, like th- 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 this this kid who used to get up to no good, and we'd come out of this neighborhood when he was younger. He ca- they kind of learned about these vampires and learned what they were doing, and he's actually working with the mortician here to try and fight back. And they've been collecting silver because you know, as per usual, werewolf rules, their weakness mm-hmm. is silver. Uh, so. Like, yeah, we've been collecting silver stuff. He shows Cal their their stash. And it's like, okay, we have to try and, and fight them. Uh, so it's really good stuff. So they go to where they usually hang out, which is this VA home. Um, you know, the assumption is that they get bit by this species when they were serving overseas. Um, so you know, Cal comes in, he goes toe-to-toe, he bites them. He's almost going to get nabbed at one point uh, by the leader, but then the young guy shows up and kills him, you know, shoots him in the head with a silver bullet. Um, and, you know, the, the issue ends with, with Cal, well, all on the cliffhanger, but it ends with Cal watching his his brother and his band, uh, or his quartet, play on the stage. Uh, so it ends with kind of this happy feeling. Uh, at the end of the issue, though, he gets a phone call from Pearl saying that Henry's died, and that's kind of, you know, so it ties it back in. So this is someone that Pearl knows through the vassals, and it's going to lead into the, the next story, which is cool. I love the mythology stuff it added here. I love the swerve of like who the bad guys actually were. All of that's really good. You know, I talked about that in the last issue that you think these young guys are being racist, but it turns out they were actually genuinely trying to warn them that something was going to happen. Um, the, the one critique I would have is I feel like it wraps up in two issues when it probably could have had three. Um, like the actual resolution where they go and take out the old werewolf vampire dudes, it happens in like three pages. Like, you know, it, it's so quick. Like, they, I mean, it's, it's, I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's more like four or mm-hmm. five, but you know, they they it's like hey, they they hang out at this place. So we cut to this this uh, VA house, and then it's like one, two, three, four, five. It's over, and that's it. That's the entire showdown. And I kind of felt like you could have done a whole issue building up to them sneaking up to this house, forming a plan, really setting up how dangerous it was, and struggling to fight these like three werewolves. Like you could have done, you could have made a whole issue out of that, and it, it would have felt quite a big deal. Instead, it feels like just truncated and like squished on to like the end of an issue that was mostly just the cool mythology setup, and then the little tease at the end for where we're going next. I, I could have done with this being mm-hmm. uh, fleshed out into another issue, uh, and I think it would have been even better if they'd done that. So the actual showdown with the werewolves just feels really rushed. So I would critique it and maybe only give it like a like a seven because of that. But I do love the mythology stuff it sets up. Uh, and, you know, by bringing in werewolves and zombies into kind of connecting them. I also just love the absurdity of Hobbs, like, casually taking this phone call. And this is not, this is not like he's got, like, a little, you know, smartphone that he's got. This is, like, you know, the old school, like, rotary phone that he's got under his ear as he's, like, showing a bunch of med students. And this is how the vampire species blah 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 works. And 
Here's how their organs have been manipulated yeah. by the vampire look, virus. Look, look at their teeth. <laughs> uh, so, I, I do appreciate it. Sorry, it's, it's got that dark sense of humor that I really like. Kind of still an American vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that this is that, that this two parter gave us this viewpoint of a completely different type of character. This character of color in this very racist time period, and just the differences that comes up because of that. But I do think the showdown with the werewolves is a bit rushed, so because of that, I'm going to say it's not quite great and it's only good and give it a seven. Uh, but that's American Vampire issue twenty-seven. My other Patreon book that I'm talking about is Animal Man issue twenty-one. So if you remember, Ellen and the kids got killed at the end of the not the last issue, but the previous issue. The last issue was this depressing issue of Buddy just being lost, feeling despair, and possibly killing himself by the end. Until you get a phone call from Mirror Master uh, revealing possibly who the killer is, uh, Lennox. And the issue starts with, with him saying that he has to be an animal, he has to call on the power of the animals, he has to stop thinking and be an animal himself to go do what he's got to do. And he's in his outfit, his old outfit, and... He basically starts using his sense of smell once Mirror Master's explained that it's this guy named Lennox. He's working for people who are basically part of, like, the the animal industry, and they don't like that he's an activist, like, you know, tackling these subjects and trying to, like, raise awareness about the cruelty to animals and and things like fossil fuels and stuff like that. So a lot of the, the social topics and political topics are obviously at the forefront here, but this is why they're becoming... And that's the thing, that the run has been neatly doing that. Owlman has been going and stopping this, like, dolphin hunting season in one issue. He stopped this mm-hmm. other thing in another issue. He's been this activist. Um, this is what's made them want to do this. These shadowy figures that, that hired Lennox to go do this was them. They actually wanted Mirror Master to do it. The Mirror Master came to scare them because at his behest, but then Mirror Master turned down when, he, when they said, no, kill the wife and kids. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, Mirror Master, for all his shit in this, has got a line. Uh, so Animal Man uses his powers to get his increased sense of smell uh, from, I think, did he say a moth, I want to say? Because it's even better than a dog. But he smells like, he can. He basically sort of relives the crime scene and says, oh, he came to the door, Ellen was here, I can smell her perfume, she turned away. Uh, but then he snuck in, the phone rang, and he, you know, shot Ellen in the back and then killed the kids. And he, he describes it in detail, so it's really horrific for him to sort of live through this. Uh, but he goes with Mirror Master to uh, some of these like these you know rich guys. One's on a yacht, and uh, he gets pulled underwater, and it's really dark. Animal Man just holds him underwater until he dies, because Animal Man's you know got fish powers, so he's just like swimming happily. <laughs> Damn! And he just holds him until he he stops moving, and it's really dark. It's really sinister. Um. But obviously, you're kind of rooting for him because you understand why he's doing it, but, you know, he's mm-hmm. in a bad place. Uh, the second guy we see in, like, a motel, he's not killed here yet. Uh, there's one guy playing golf who's literally talking about... What was he talking about? Um, oh, it was Reagan who said 80% of pollution is actually caused by trees. God. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 this sounds like something that he probably did say this was probably some bullshit like statement that was made at some point I'm, I'm gonna look uh, uh, anyway uh, he's like I love trees as much as the next people but people have got to eat that grazing land has to be cleared so it's just it's like oh god this was just as big a thing as you know in the end of the 80s as now and like all the 
the bullshit arguments you get. But yeah, so there's this rich guy who's profiting from all this. He gets pulled into the golf hole after he puts his ball, and he's just pulled into the darkness. Presumably Animal Man's got, like, mole powers or something <laughs> right now. But he just holds him underground until he dies. Uh, you know, he effectively buries him alive by pulling him underground and just closing the, the hole. And then he goes to the headquarters and goes after the remaining people. Uh, Lennox goes into the, the stupid bug robot thing they've got, the Red 209 looking mech suit. Uh, they go into the the building. The, the, the fat guy, one of the other rich guys, is in the toilet. Uh, he comes out and Animal Man's there waiting for him. And he runs out. Animal Man chases him down in the hallway. And... Mirror Master makes sure he gets paid first by making him like, write him a check, but also gives some money to charities to to, to say Greenpeace. Um, but th- then the bug the mech suit shows up, and uh, Mirror Master just flashes it with his light gun or his mirror gun, and it kind of mm-hmm. like destabilizes for a bit. And the fat the rich guy runs to the sort of the the outside elevator, and Buddy just gets to him in time and punches him so hard that the elevator goes off the side of the building and plummets. So, this is an issue where a hero hunts down and murders three people. Well, four, actually. Actually, there's a fourth. I'm getting to the fourth in a second. Because uh, he's after Lennox next, and Lennox is the one in the bug suit. Um, and he tries to, you know, fa- use the flamethrower on, the, on the, the mech suit. He tries to shoot at him. But ultimately, it doesn't work. He uses, obviously, more animal powers. He uses the, uh, the electric power of an eel to, like, you know, stop the suit from working he cuts off the arm he breaks the arm um and lennox just as he's like beating up and the helmet opens like you shouldn't you people with powers it's not fair you shouldn't fight people with ordinary people with superpowers um he's like you're worse than i ever was and an owl man puts on like a almost like a freddy Krueger type glove he's like i need to be an animal and then it just like you know, you get a panel of like the the patriotic symbol on the wall as he's presumably just killing this guy, killing Lennox. And when Mirror Master comes in, there's literally just like body parts and like blood on the floor. And Animal Man is just like sitting down, hinged, you know, in a sort of fetal stale position. He's just distraught. He's like in shock. He's like he feels nothing. He's killed four people. It's not really fixed anything, uh, but it's all been this revenge thing. Um and it just ends with him saying, I can fix it with a time machine. I need a time machine. I can fix everything. And that's the end of the issue. Uh, so I actually, I think this actually links back. So there was an issue where a figure was standing outside the house, like, I don't know, like six issues ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is partly because the, the front cover of the next issue kind of gives it away, but I think that's this, I think this is Animal Man going back in time to... In fact, they may have revealed it was Animal Man at the time. I can't remember now. It's been it's been a number of issues. They may have revealed that it was Animal Man at the time. But I think it's specifically this Animal Man, after he's done all this, after the death of his family, that he wants to try and fix it all by going back in time. Uh so I will say this, the story is riveting at this point. Like the the you know, the family being killed, his depression after it, and then him going on this bloody rampage of revenge and killing them all has all been really fascinating to read and just like his mental state him dealing with it the idea that he's this you know like he's been this activist who doesn't want to hurt animals but now he's like murdering people left and right because this is what the shock of this 
you know, this, this one bad day has turned him into this. He's fully team animal, not team people. <laughs> you so, can look at it that way, yeah. yeah. So I looked up that thing about Reagan, and that was a talking point because he misunderstood what his aides are telling him, is that uh, they were trying to limit hydrocarbons, which trees do emit, but unless they have something to react with, they're not problematic. Like They don't add to stuff. It's just a natural reaction of trees generating energy. Uh, however, they did not go out of their way to limit nitrogen oxides, which is the stuff when gas and, and coal are burned. Um, so that's where he had said that trees cause more because they weren't looking at those levels because they didn't want to be wrong. So it was something he didn't say that exactly. But of course, politics being what it of is, course, of they course. took the quote and ran with it. So and it doesn't surprise me someone like Grant Morrison, especially in the 80s would throw that into a comic oh yeah nah it felt like a real thing when i read it, it yep yeah so you've got all those ideas there the idea that they've, they've they've made him less human by turning them into this by doing these awful tactics to protect their 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 pocketbooks you know um like so there's the cynicism's there the political commentary's there but ultimately it's this really sort of human story about this man losing everything and going to this like really dark place so I'm really excited to see him try and travel back through time and fix it <laughs> somehow and warn his younger self. I'd be very curious to see. Although, given that it already happened, so if I'm right about like this tying into that and it didn't seem to fix anything, does uh, mm-hmm. paint an ominous picture. But I'm still feeling confident because I'm sure the kids and Ellen will be back. But it's mm-hmm. still dark. Even to do this for a few issues, it's still a very dark thing. Yeah. Because it's it's at the time, right? You don't have the context. So if you're reading this issue by issue, his family's dead, you know. And to, to do that in a mainstream superhero comic in the '80s, yeah, man, that's wild. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that will take us out of the part of the show. Oh, I didn't read it. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, this is like a nine, maybe even a nine point five. It's a nine. I'll, I'll go nine. Nine out of ten. Uh, for Animal Man twenty one. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show. We pick our favorite stuff of the week for it panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. Matt, what you got for panel slash moment? Um, I'm gonna take it from, I mean, there's stuff in, in Ivy that I could pick, right? Or even in Vampires, but I'm, I'm gonna take in Dark Crisis when uh, Slade picks up the, the, the sticks, uh, to fight Nightwing and they have the face off. That's just such for. For the history of those characters in this happening in a crisis, it's such a big deal. Yeah, uh, I think I have to go with the the ending of Killing Time. That mm-hmm. reveal I think just That's worked good. so well. So I'm going with the the big reveal at the end of Killing Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cover of the week, um, as per usual, there's a few options. There's actually two Matina covers to pick from this week as well. There's mm-hmm. one for Batman with Catwoman uh, up on a roof with some cats, uh, and. Yeah, and there's also one for uh, DC vs. Vampires with Harley. They're both good. I'm not picking either of them. Uh, there's also a Ben Oliver cover for Killing Time of Penguin, which is pretty neat. Uh, but my pick is actually just a regular cover for Dark Crisis, which is the, the Titans Tower with like the, the fight in front of it, and it's just, you know, got that blinding light. It's just a really simple, effective, epic-looking cover. Uh so it's befitting of a, a grand event. So I'm going to go with yes. Dark Crisis main cover. What are you, what are you picking? Um, it's going to be from Poison Ivy. And there's a bunch oh, of people. So, I'm shocked. I'm shocked right. that there's sexy variants for Poison Ivy. And it's not just a sexy variant. It's the it's the, the Christian Ward 
Poison Ivy variant. Um, it's very, um, what's the word? I don't want to say pulpy because I say pulpy too much. But it, it's her, it's Ivy in a traditional costume. And just the way that it plays with the greens and the colors. And it look, she's in a field of light of uh, fly traps. Um, and yeah, just from reading that, that uh, Aquaman book with Ward on the art, fact that i got this cover this is the cover i picked up physically as well um but some of the other covers this week because there was just a whole bunch for ivy there was a a alvaro martinez bueno uh cardstock variant that was one in 25 and the reason i picked that one up is because i didn't want to spend that much more cover and then of course a jenny frisian um cover that's just fantastic so yeah all right uh are the week we got okay so we have a lot of leaders in this one. Uh, Sampir for Dark Crisis. Fantastic. Uh, Takara in Ivy. Really good. Uh, but I think we have to mark for Killing Time. Just the way that the pacing told through comic panels. And they seem to be in motion. Uh, the fact that you never really get lost in, in that, that scene. It just goes on for a little bit too long. Um, just with the chaos. A whole other level than some of the other stuff that's going on right now. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, Marquez is great in Killing Time. I think I have to just edge out to Jimenez for Batman, though. Okay. I'm just, I'm thinking some of that stuff about Batman Get Out of the Shadows, some of the stuff with Clayface covering everyone. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. Admittedly, I know it probably sounds like a bit of a weird choice given that I don't like the design of the robot at the end, but I'm, I'm not necessarily putting that down to poor art. It's poor design. Or, or from, mm-hmm. from my taste, anyway. Obviously, it's kind of subjective. Yeah. But, uh, but I think overall, I'd probably still pick that, even though I do think Jimenez, Marquez, and um, Sam Pierre are all relatively close on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's weird is that Mikel Yannin and Zermanic are both on Flashpoint Beyond, but it's neither one of their best work, if that makes sense. It's just yeah. kind of, no, you, know, the, the, you know, go through the motions a little bit. And oh, Schmidt's obviously solid on DC versus Vampires mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but yeah, so... Yeah, a lot, a lot of solid art this week, I'd say. A lot of solid art. Uh, all right, top five books, Matt, what you got? All right, so number one's going to be Dark Crisis. Two is Ivy. Three is Killing Time. Four is Batman. And five is DC v Vampires. Okay, I think I'm going to go number one, Killing Time. Number two, DC versus Vampires. Number three, Dark Crisis. Number f- four... Batman and number five, Flashpoint and Beyond. Although I, I'm oddly getting into that book now, bizarrely. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it did. It it at first we were kind of like, oh, this is crazy because the way that they killed Barry was very funny. Um, but yeah, it's actually turned into an actual decent story. Yeah, I'm this is good yet, but I'm certainly having some entertainment so, from it. So I said, so I said decent. Like we were there to watch it, like we watched the room, right? Yes. Like. We're kind of like, oh, where's this going? And then it's like, oh, it's actually making, you know, some cogent points. Yeah, well, that'll take me on to telling you what's coming out next week from DC Comics. So coming next week, we have Wonder Woman 789, Superman Son of Kal-El issue 13, Batman Urban Legends issue 17, Batgirls issue 8, Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League Superman issue 1. So that's the first of uh, these one-shots we're going to get once a month that relate to Dark Crisis. Uh, I Am Batman issue 11, Future State Gotham 15, Rogues issue 3 is coming out, hey, hey. so that's exciting to see. 
that's uh, three or four, so that's not the last issue, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Naomi Season 2, Issue 5, and also Wonder Woman Evolution, Issue 8. So that's the DC books that are out next week. Uh, kind of a weird hodgepodge of a week. Uh, I think week two has felt that way for a while, but uh, yeah. some interesting stuff in there. So the Dark Crisis World Without a Justice League is Tom King and Brandon Thomas with uh, Chris Burnham on art. So I will be checking that one out. I don't know if you are too, Pete. I, I presume I will be, yes. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I got, I got six books next week. It's a normal... Yeah, normal size. Uh, really excited for Rogues, though. That that's the one that I'm excited for. I'm excited for. I mean, I've enjoyed Rogues uh, so yeah. far. Um, if anything, it's maybe just a shame that it's maybe been slightly overshadowed by Aquaman Andromeda and uh, the uh, Lemire Swamp Thing book. It's which, just a little. Which has only had one issue so far, but it was yeah. great. <laughs> Yeah, well, same, same with the Aquaman one. Yeah. So, you know. Great. So, uh, but there you go. That is what's coming next week from DC mm-hmm. Comics. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. You can, of course, support us for as little as a dollar per month over at patreon.com slash TV and help the podcast and support it and keep it coming uh, as well as supporting other content that we do at Mailfuzz uh, Mailfuzz Movies and Mailfuzz TV are two other YouTube channels that are full of reviews that, that I do sometimes with other people sometimes on my own uh, go check out those if you like horror or sci-fi movies Mailfuzz Movies is probably a pretty good place to go and uh, hear some more rambles uh, they're also available in podcast feeds though those podcasts are on that channel though so uh, you can find them on there too but uh, yeah go have a, go have a look-see um otherwise uh, get us on twitter at dc comics podcast and uh you know like subscribe ding the bell rate us five stars on itunes all that stuff all the usual things you hear uh but that is the show and once again connor should be back next week he has uh, our recording day off from work and he'll be catching up on some patreon books and i'm sure he'll tell us about how he broke his arm again or something i don't know he's <laughs> For the record, I don't think he has. But hey, there's a whole week no. to go yet. It may still have. Yeah. <laughs> Put your thoughts and prayers in. <laughs> but let's will it into existence, people. Uh, uh, let's have him back away scared from a poodle. And... <laughs> I love how that story went from he got attacked by a dog to the dog knocked him off a curb because it scared him. Yeah, yeah, because uh, like, he phrased it as attack, but then when he actually described how it happened, I'm like, well, that wasn't an attack. He just kind of came over to you. No, yeah, I get being scared when a dog rushes you, because if the dog's big enough, it's kind of scary. Um, but yeah, him falling off the curb, putting his hand out, breaking it was not... I imagine that he had puncture wounds in his arm from the dog biting him. And, <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, not, style. Nah, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the ginger That's on the road. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a big old Rottweiler. <laughs> dog was the size of one of mine. Yeah, I have small dogs. Little, little terrier, little poodle, something yeah. that yeah. even if it wanted to kill you, couldn't even couldn't. get close. <laughs> oh man, the only dog I've ever been bit by was my was my Chihuahua, and she got me on the nose as I was saying goodbye in the morning, uh, and that hurt. So they do hurt when it connects, but not enough to knock me off of a off of a uh, curb. I've been uh, bitten by all three of my cats, but cats don't bite as hard as dogs. So no, okay. my cat play bites me and it drives me nuts. <laughs> you'll, you'll just be sitting there petting them, and then all of a sudden they say, do the rabbit kicks and bite. And you're just like, what the hell are you doing? What do I do? 
Psycho. Uh, it's just, just, yeah. just, just playing. That's all. Yep. Yep. That's so. all. Garrus likes to attack my feet when I get out of the shower and I'm walking about in my bare feet. He'll uh, <laughs> he'll come over and he'll sort of snuggle into them at first and then he'll be yeah. like, nah, it's time for the ankle. I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. for it. Uh, I remember before she was our cat, I would house it for my dad and uh, she would hide under the dining room table and wait for me to walk across in flip-flops and she would just grab and bite down. And I, and I complained to my dad. I was like, oh no, she's just, she's just playing with you. That's how she likes you. Like, well, I'd love to see how she hates me. If that's how, if that's how she loves. So no, now she's cool. So and none of that. Just you know, she'll be sitting on there purring, and then the purr becomes a bite. So cats are crazy. Cats are wonderful beings. They're adorable. I actually had a bit of a scare the other day. Uh, Wesker was oh. outside for uh, so at least five hours because I didn't notice at first because I'd been napping, and. Oh, no. um, I realized that he wasn't in, and I was like, oh shit, where's, where's Basker? Uh, and it took me about 40 minutes to find him, so there was a little bit of a worry for a little while during that time period, but mm-hmm. uh, he came out crying at the top of his lungs, uh, <laughs> clearly distressed that he was outside yep. and scared, and I uh, I brought him in, and he was, he was a bit on edge for a couple hours, but he was fine. Yeah, well, as long as he came back in one piece, that's, and he just hung out by the door. Mine, mine got out one time, and we have a big dog next door, but I think she just snuck out when the back door was open and she hung out on the porch all night for mm. about seven hours. And yeah, she did that where she went in, she ran straight upstairs and we didn't see her for like a day. Uh, <laughs> I'm just traumatized. Inside. Yeah. <laughs> and she still tries to make a bolt from the door, just not the back door, which is good. So Yeah, Wesker's terrible. Wesker will, if he sees an opening, he'll just slowly sneak out of it. But he always hates it. Like, if you catch him doing it on the moment and you just yeah. sort of, like, have to go out and get him, he's immediately crying to get back in. He hates it. Yeah. He hates yep. it. So I don't know why he does it. It's like, come on, cat. cat. Like Nothing they do makes sense. Anyway, that's the show. <laughs> thank you for joining yep, yep. us, everyone. That's because from the Vortiverse. Uh, so thank you once again for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Mm-hmm.